T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. I don't talk to Scott. One of his kind of signature moves is to go talk to the owner. But I think when you do that, you undermine the credibility of your general manager. I do appreciate Tom Ricketts understanding the game that Boris likes to play and not participating in it. You know, I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. So they're going to have to loosen their belts to keep Bellinger. Does he ever, like, just go do a hot five? Yeah. Open mic? No. I hope so. Wouldn't that be great? It's all baseball puns. They're terrible. This is what I imagine. Like, the lower levels of people in his agency, he invites them out for drinks. The interns? The Tyler of... Ouch. Yeah, he's young in the business. Like, all of those kids are probably, like, super excited. They're like, wait, Mr. Boris, he invited us out to dinner? Man, we must be moving up in the world. And then you get there, and it's a stage and a single mic. And he's like, is this thing on? He just can't wait to just let one of those pearls of comedy (laughs) unfold off his tongue. I wouldn't wait too much longer on Matt, or else he'll be chapped. It's beginning to smell like a deal. Huh? (laughs) Wait, who's the other client? Montgomery. What can we do with that? Well, you could say, well, for enough money, you can, Montgomery could be a ward of the franchise. Uh... All of these I could imagine coming out of the mouth of Scott Boris. Of course. For- He's a great agent and a hack comedian. This market is moving at a snail-like pace. Uh... Uh... <laughs> you know what I do. like to say? What? Whoever snelt it dealt for it. The people want more of it. No, they don't. I now want people to start writing them for me. No, you don't. I'm going to tell Layla not even to bother coming in tomorrow. (laughs) Parkinson Spiegel. Just me doing the bit for four hours. Big pun over here. Now here they call me Big Big Pun. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 a.m. till 2. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. can't do this another day. I can't. Did you get it? Is it out of your system? Did you have your fun? Are your it's zoomies not, done? Uh, it's not out of my system. You, it's, seriously, it's like a kid that gets the zoomies. Go run around. Go outside. Go run around until He's you're tired. He's looking to make a snell of a deal. Okay. <laughs> Big pun! I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I heard I, I the beginnings of this, I can't do this again. in yesterday's show, and I was 
laughing out loud to myself like a fool on my dinner break walk. And people don't looked encourage at me like him. I was crazy. Don't reinforce the behavior. But here's what I think probably occurs is Scott Boris is probably like, hey, guys, I make all these bad jokes and people have to hear them because of me. That's right. Like, he's probably like, I got this. And then he just says a bunch of silly stuff and, and there is no rehearsal. That's right. Not even the associates. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We're going to be joined by Mike Florio at 11, Boog Shambi at 1. And we have a whole bunch of stuff to do in between now and then. Ray Diaz, Adam Studzinski, Brandon Fryer, Kevin Lapka. And I saw Cody Westerland was wandering around. I mean, he's working already. Too. He was in here getting it. Uh, correction. Thanks, Texas. We appreciate it. I did get my black Canadians wrong. It was Deborah Cox. And I got my one-syllable singers wrong with last names because I thought it was Jill Scott. No, it was Deborah <laughs> Cox, not not uh, Grant Hill's wife, Tamia. And it was college for Billy and uh, Bob McKillop and, yeah, and Bill Weddington. I just, that was a very deep cut on a morning where I haven't slept. It's hard well, sometimes sleep. for the recall and the brain. and Then the, sleep. But the brain keeps going at night because the biggest part of my job is at night. And I know, but then drugs. But no. Like melatonin no, even. I, no. Shut it down. No, I get crazy dreams on that and then I, no, no. Really? Hard no. Yeah. Cool for some, not for me. Yeah, there's some pretty, I, there are some pretty vivid dreams. It's like multi-level sagas, which I think is kind of cool. Lucid it's dreams, just, shout out to Juice World. Have, there you go. I have before. I have had the uh, lucid dream before. We're like, oh, this is a dream. Okay. I have this to me all the time. Yeah, all the time. Really? All the time. Where you know you're dreaming when you're dreaming? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, I remember one time when I was really young, like, I figured it out because I was, was, my dream, I was like playing with my toys in my room and I realized I don't have this toy. And I was like, oh, I'm dreaming. And then I woke up. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that happens to me a lot because I'm like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. And then I'm like, what toy was it? I can't remember. Oh, I was like like 10 years old. Sure, you can. It was probably some Lego. Not like a a G.I. Joe? Legos, or I didn't. No, I was. G.I. Joe's were already passed. It's okay. You're among friends. If it's something, you're not going to be embarrassed. No, it was probably like a Transformer or a Lego or something like that. Or a Star Wars action figure it, ha- like- it happens to me on occasion sorry Layla, i didn't mean to cut you off no it does happen to me on occasion and the only time it happens the dreams are terrifying yes yes they are it's really upsetting and i'm always late to work <laughs> or i've forgotten what day it is yeah it's it's bad no uh, i'm always getting chased the problem is you know it's not like you go to bed at four o'clock when this show ends at two and right. that's what you kind of have to do oh trust me i did play by play long yeah. enough to know that there's a routine when you finish a basketball game and you're going back. A to wind down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a shot of Cuervo and a, 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 a two Miller lights and then you can head up. Yeah. So rather than substances, I just think I can tell myself to sleep and that doesn't go well. Waking up early is the key. Mm. I do it every day. 4.30. Yeah. No you, alarm. No alarm. I know. You always tell me that. Yeah. And then you you're keep running into your contemporary that. at the office yeah. earlier and earlier. From the day before. And you're never late to this radio, to this studio, but you go visit that Hallis statue. I don't know how you make time for it's all that. amazing. Of them, you know, you got to get you got to get it in. You gotta, Did you wash your car today because it was a game day? Yeah. Rise and grind. Hello. <laughs> Productivity culture. This is what we're about. Um, I have brunch with Jay-Z later. Be awesome. That is kind of cool. Though. Rock Nation brunch. Let's go. Beyonce's album. I am very much looking forward to. First black woman artist to have a number one country song. 
sweet. It's some, happy, it's some stations are refusing to play. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't going to play that. That ain't country. She can be on another one of our stations, but not the, the country station, even though. Yep. It's country. Even even though she's country. And even though one of the best country albums of all time was made by Ray Charles. Yep. So, but don't tell anybody that. Shh, That's going to make people very, very shh, unhappy. Shh. Uh, you would think that people can't mix genres and stuff. Guys, I think we might be looking at this a little incompletely when it comes to the 78 situation. How so? We are interpreting socks moves with socks moves, and we are talking about the Bears because they are also out for the same subsidies. But here in town, there is a team who got no public money for very expensive ballpark renovations and built a mini city around it while revitalizing the neighborhood somewhat and also creating jobs with zero public dollars. Chicago State? Yet to be seen. Hmm. Who is this team that you could be talking about? The DePaul Blue Demons. No, they they got a lot of public money. Yeah, they oh, did. Are you kidding? They too they a are lot. a baseball team. If that helps, I know which one you're talking about. The Schaumburg Flyers, Boomers, Odyssey Softball. We need Odyssey you know Softball what? does renovate the world. Maybe I, I maybe that's what that I'll do now, studs. Like maybe I'll start handling some of the business practices of Odyssey Softball. You're going to be the Odyssey Softball, Kevin Warren. I do get up at four thirty with no alarm, but anyway, I digress. It's, it's the Cubs. The Who call knew? was coming from inside the house this whole time. It wasn't for a lack of trying because they asked. They it, wanted that amusement tax diverted to them, and everyone was like, "No," and they said, "Okay, we'll revitalize Wrigley Field. We'll rebuild Wrigley Field. We'll dig it all out, and out come the rats." Here. And then they bought all the land around it under the name Hickory Street Partners. They bought up all the rooftops. They sure did. And you know what they get from it? All the money. But here's here's the other piece of this, guys. They pay taxes on it. Here's, here's where it gets interesting, is if you're a member of the public who doesn't think that public subsidies should go to either of the other teams, your example is the Cubs. Oh, I remember, the, I remember talking about... Tom Ricketts not having the sharp elbows for understanding the way the political winds blew in the city and the county and the state, and they got routed, and they spent over it. Now, listen, there might be political situations overriding various interests of certain people, but at the end of the day, I don't know how everyone on the South Side donates either, and that's traceable for sure, and I don't know which... Powerful politicians or White Sox fans and which ones aren't. But I hear there's a lot who used to be. Yes, it used to be the like basically the whole up the chain from the mayor to the speaker of the house to the governor. And that allowed some space for Jerry Reinsdorf to maneuver in a very typical and sketchy Chicago and Illinois politics way. That dynamic is not there. J.B. Pritzker is not a White Sox fan. Well, Brandon not, Johnson is not a White Sox fan. Not to mention the energy that they had in the stare down. There was, and I I, I know this because after, well, after the fact these stories have been told, they were never, ever, 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 ever moving to Tampa St. Pete. Ever. 
Well, and how all many... they wanted was the best possible deal here, and I know that for a fact. It was all, it was all a show, and it worked. And listen, the answer is always no unless you ask. If we're in the same spot, we do the same thing for sure. Yep. I'm not saying that. And even on the morning show on Monday, I said Jerry Reinsdorf knows people are going to question him. He knows that. He doesn't care. If if it gets him the deal he wants, he's going to do it. It's good business practice to have someone else pay for your stuff. Right. Like, that's that's just good business. But I think that the winds of of change and where we are politically is very different from where we were 35 years ago, too, where folks have a little bit more information about what is and what isn't going to happen economically from a venture like this where it often is a, it put in front of us as if it is something that's good civically and while yes there are some things that seem like on paper are going to be good civically what the data has shown us looking at multiple cities and counties and what they've done after giving own private businesses public money is that that money has not been recouped by the public. And, and that's that's one of the problems that Reinsdorf will have is that a lot of this stuff is now public. Like it's in the public domain and people can look and check and they can look at the amount of money still owed on the renovations on 35th and Shields and they can go and look and they can say, well, wait, how much money does the state still owe on Soldier Field? All of that stuff is a lot more accessible to the person who would either champion it because they are a fan of the team, they can now be like, well, wait a minute, what are we actually getting out of this other than someone getting something for free? The truest way to figure out what the public really wants is to put it to a ballot, period. It It is the will of the electorate in a place like Texas where they paid off the ballpark in Arlington early, and that was upwards of a 15% tax on hotel car rental in a strong entertainment district with unprecedented population growth is different from California where they say no public money for privately funded teams and stadiums, no public money for stadiums at all. They still get them done. SoFi didn't come out of nowhere. It's not like the stadium ferry flew in and dropped that stadium where where it did. And I feel like Illinois is somewhere in the middle, but closer to the range of, of, at least budgetarily, a situation like California. Like, you can't you can't say that, that the money is in the same spot here that it is in other places. Well, and the also, governor himself has said basically what California, what, what their mandate is in California is kind of his public view on all of this, that public money shouldn't go to private venture. And you can be a fan of the White Sox and be a politician. You can be a fan of the Cubs or the Bears and be a politician, but are you a fan of the public's use of dollars more? And I I think in this case, you already have the example. And it's been sitting here the whole time. Let's hear from Tom Ricketts when we come back, because I think it's interesting what he says. And how he said it. How he said it and what he doesn't say. That's next. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. 
this is not the appropriate time to talk. We're not going to give out you know, interim uh, bulletins. At an appropriate time, everybody involved in the process will have something to say, and it'll, and it'll be said. You leave here feeling better than you did when you came down. Well, my leg is bothering me. How's your brain? My brain is <laughs> just, just fine. fine. Just fine. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Well, the chuckle hut continues with yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf. He's another one. You can give him a. He's got a tight ten that he's gonna do for you. I mean, they're all Jackie Mason jokes, but it's fine. Jackie, they're Mason. not that funny. I mean, if, look, we're not gonna be in the Otani race. I'll tell you that right now. If you're, <laughs> if you're asking for public money, if you're asking for public money, then be prepared to face the public. Well, I'm not sure that he thought. I think that he thought that he was gonna sneak in and out of Springfield. Legislative record is public information. That is correct. But I think he thought he was going to sneak in. No one will know. Just like when he was in L.A., they won't hear what I say here at this conference because I'm in Los Angeles, not in Chicago. Na, 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 na. And then recordings and emails. And oh, Social damn it. media. It comes and bites you. It gets you. So what did Tom Ricketts have to say when he had to demur when asked about the White Sox? I really don't have any comments or, you know, I don't want to say anything about um, what the White Sox are doing. Like, I just, you know, that, that, that's, I wouldn't comment on what, what they're going to do there, so. <laughs> I, I, I can't, God. <laughs> if you're him, like, this is another part of the political aspect of this story. If you're Tom Ricketts, and you didn't get public money, and the White Sox do get public money, I can imagine that that's not going to go over very well with him and that he might be on the phone with some people talking about some things going forward. And who wants that phone call? They've never really intertwined their business that much. I'm not sure what levers Ricketts would have to pull. Especially. I don't think he has any levers other than, you know, the the leverage of of Wrigley Field and wanting to be a good neighbor and maybe being like, you know what, I've created my own. I've created Ricketsville now. I they do you can get go spin. They do get breaks because of the historical status, but at the end of the day, I don't think that outweighs the construction costs by any means. It's it's somewhat of a break, but they definitely spent that money. Don't they spend like $20 million in upkeep every year or something like that's that? That's what he said when he almost said that the Cubs were poor and that's why they can't get free agents this year. I think those are two different things. He almost said it. He came. He walked I, right yeah, up to the line. He walked close. right up to the line when asked that, but it's still – because they're engaging, because all of the teams that are staring down the Boris Four are engaged in, in soft collusion – They've got to be super careful. Well, and frankly, Boris is using that to his advantage. Beat them at their own game if they're afraid to tell you what the game is. We'll see. He usually wins. He usually wins. But but Ricketts sort of gave away the fact that he knows the, the, the trick. He knows the okey-doke, which is to get the owner to appeal to the fandom and appeal to the... Or, or appeal to the... The ego. Of the, the owner. The ego and and maybe the lack of knowledge of the owner. It's mm-hmm. an emotional buy. But I don't blame Tom Ricketts at all for saying Jed's my baseball guy. 
I, I don't, I think so that's what he fine. should say. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fine. And, and understanding that anything in a negotiation that's still ongoing would undermine that process. That's, that's savvy. I, I don't mind that at all. I think there's a difference when an owner positively talks about a player, but this is still an ongoing negotiation, clearly. But when it came to him being asked at spring training about, about the ballpark for the Sox, that's when I was like, huh, well, well, well. If it isn't the example that the people need, yes, that that that's why I'm saying that from a if you're trying to keep political capital, if you're the mayor or the governor with the Cubs, and you give the White Sox money that wasn't given to the Cubs, I'm not saying that anything even happens with it. It's just it's kind of a bad look it's on their than, part, and it's more than just giving them money. It's moving them into your backyard. Yes, like you're that you're not just you. You are you are subsidizing their incursion. It would be one way to look at it. Now the Cubs, to their credit, have never looked at the White Sox the way the White Sox have looked at the Cubs. Correct. The White Sox have been the 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 sort of bitter stepchild, and have always held a grudge and have always been you know the Sox about it where the Cubs just sort of have had the eagle doesn't chase the fly kind of mentality to that and just weren't bothered by it because the Sox footprint wasn't big enough to even threaten them. But something like this, if you were to say, hey, sure, we're going we're gonna to give you a sweetheart deal to move north, I don't know what the recourse is, but I, I would imagine that they'd look askance at that. I just don't know that anybody in Springfield has the political capital for this, for either team. It's changed. The, the, the dynamics have changed Significantly, Lawrence pointed out before that Daly's not the mayor. Big Jim Thompson is not the governor, and and Madigan, Mike Madigan is under racketeering charges. And Madigan's been charged, so this this is a different climate. And and that the other thing is too, and, and we haven't talked about this. Like I, for the record, I love the idea of a White Sox game where you can see the same background and like having a lot of infrastructure around it. And I agree with you, Lawrence. Like, I love being able to take the red line just straight to 35th and Shields, crossing a bridge, and then being there. It's horribly convenient. Yes. It's fantastic. And you know what? I go to Cork and Carry after a game or two, and I, I am that person. Like, I will spend money outside of just the ballpark, and I love the food there, and I love watching games there. I'm a baseball fan. Shocker. Do the same thing in Wrigley. Also, shocker. But when it comes to... The concept of a new stadium and it being exactly what they want, learning from the mistakes of only 33 years ago. Yeah, I just don't know that the public has the ability to afford this. That's all. Like, they're two separate issues here. Don't And they want you to marry them. Don't get it twisted. Well, they they're do, two separate issues. They do, and, and they don't. They, like, Jerry doesn't want people to think about the lack of investment that he's put into the actual baseball team. Which, if I were a legislator, I would have a lot of questions for him about that. You're asking us to make an investment in your team that you've never made in yourself. You're asking us to put a billion dollars into a franchise that hasn't put a billion dollars in. That also hasn't put in a nine-figure contract. That's, this is what I'm saying. That, that if, if, if you even read up on the White Sox a little bit, as a legislator, before you go into session, and like your team 
is predicted to not make the playoffs, and it's February 21st. You have never spent $100 million on a player. You have gone on record and said that you will not chase the biggest free agents in the game. It was and a have laugh said, line. And have said it derisively as a laugh line. You're not acting in good faith as the owner of the White Sox. Why should we act in good faith as the people who hold the purse strings for the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago? David Eckstein. That's why. That's another reason you think David Eckstein's a great player. And your team has the smallest analytics department in all of MLB, and you're proud of it. Your basketball team changed slightly and might get the most improved player in all of basketball. That's true. Yeah. Your basketball player, like, added a couple dudes, and look at the difference. Yeah, but they're the same team. They're stuck in nowheresville. I'm trying to promote the analytics here. When we come back. It's better than having a 0% chance of making the playoffs. An object lesson in what what you're told about economic impact and what the actual economic impact of a publicly funded stadium ends up being from an old uh, co-worker, a a colleague of yours. It's next in the score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. Well, nobody's made an ask yet, so uh, having said that, uh, I think you know my views about, uh, you know, privately owned teams and, uh, you know, whether the public should be paying for private facilities that will be used by private businesses. Having said that, I mean, there are things that government does to support business all across the state, investing in infrastructure. Make It's very clear that if there are aspects of this that would help in general, it's a bridge, a flyover, an exit ramp, a spur, that that can be done, but only in the service of the larger interests. Before we get to this sound, I want to read an email. Old friend Ian from Boston, if you remember him, classic Who You Crappin' contributor going back 10 years or more. They say, you'll have to forgive my ignorance, as I haven't lived in Chicago in a few decades. Is the 78 some kind of toxic waste site, some asbestos-riddled parcel in need of remediation, somewhere that no one but Reinsdorf would choose to operate his business? It sounds to me like Reinsdorf has submitted a bid for use of the land at negative $1 billion. Shouldn't be hard to top that. A key point to keep in mind amid the upcoming whirlwind of bad-faith pseudo-studies. The question should not be, Do the hazy, hazy macroeconomic benefits cover the $1 billion handout? That's the break-even comp that will be put before us. Why should we settle for break-even? The proper question is, what benefits do a White Sox stadium provide that any other development proposal does not? It's a great question. Are the construction jobs only available if you build a baseball stadium? For the increased business activity they'll cite, is that impact not surpassed by any other use? Then diverting the modest crowds from elsewhere in the city on 81 of 365 days a year, I'd propose the public would be best served auctioning the land off to the highest bidder. Short of that, I'd rank the Sox proposal below building a free little library to provide the public with books to put on their heads during thunderstorms. Need it. Lawrence posed the question, what kind of steward would Reinsdorf be for public money? Let me make two observations from his own operations. One. 
rampant favoritism and exclusionary tactics, prime managerial jobs handed out to old buddies like Tony LaRussa or unqualified, uninterested boobs like Robin Ventura, overmarket contracts to favorites of the likes of Leuri Garcia, exemptions from diversity criteria to hire his hand-picked GM, etc., etc., especially given the governor's eye for equity, why would Pritzker hand this man any control over distributing economic benefits? And two, by Reinsdorf's own example, he's notoriously resistant to moving on from a coach or manager since he doesn't want to be paying for two. By that logic, why should Illinoisans simultaneously pay for two White Sox stadiums? This is our concern, dude. That's very well done by Ian. And the thing is, is that when I was living for a year and a half, I, I lived in the South Loop. I Right there in the third ward, Pat Dow's ward. I think that she's an excellent alderman, by the way. Um, I disagree with her faith in this thing getting done. But even back then, this was 2020, people were talking about the 78, talking about, oh, there's, there, there needs to be a new neighborhood built and there's room to build it. Considering the type of growth that's happened on the south end of the South Loop already, the economic growth that we've seen in Chinatown and Chinatown moving southward into Bridgeport to strengthen some of the economic development in Bridgeport, the 78 is ripe for there to be something great there. And it doesn't have to be a ballpark. Whatever goes there is going to be fantastic. The The homes are going to cost a lot of money, which is going to ideally bring up property taxes. It doesn't have to be a baseball stadium that is the tent pole of the neighborhood. The neighborhood will be the tent pole of the neighborhood. They don't need the White Sox to come in there. To People are going to want to go to the 78 if the White Sox are there or not. Meanwhile, if you look at what's going on with the Chicago River, and if you look at ecologically the gains that have been made on the Chicago River and what's going on on the banks there, what has happened, the reason why the Riverview flyover on Western got torn down was because Riverview's long gone. And rather than have traffic go over that incredibly beautiful area of the river, now it's going to take a little bit of time. But now that they cut that thing down and you see where development is going, the river's getting cleaner, a lot cleaner. You saw that we made fun of the video of Chonkasaurus in, there in the river. but It's actually the sign of a healthier ecosystem. If you look at the, the species of fish and, and what is going on with the fishing community and the amount of, of bass fishermen who are finding success regularly in that area of the river, that's 78. If you talk about it at, at the rate that this is going with the health of that, it's, it's one of the rare positive climate stories and positive environmental stories that we have going on because of really hard work that has gone into it. That The value of, of that real estate? Yes. Are you kidding me? Why are you going to give it to the White Sox? I mean, put it to a ballot, man. That's always the I'm, most truthful way. I'm with you on that. Put it to a ballot. I, I'm totally fine with, with a referendum. That would be great. Now let's go back to an education on this for people who don't know Phil Rogers and what was, it was his last big thing that he did at NBC five did this incredible documentary about the bears trying to build a new place. And he went all over the United States looking at different buildings, including SoFi. 
the part that's important is the part that the the public still has to pay for. So don't believe it when you're you're going to hear experts come on the score over the next couple of weeks, and they're going to tell you how much of an economic boon it's going to be for you. Keep in mind the type of work that Phil Rogers did to explore how much money is still owed on Soldier Field's renovations. With all of the other demands for tax dollars, the public really doesn't want to finance the building of a stadium that's going to cost two, three, four billion dollars. Certainly not in Illinois. And especially because of the disastrous deal that was made on Soldier Field uh, now 20 years ago. Uh, when they renovated it and created, you know, what do they call it? It looks like a spaceship crashed into the Parthenon. That was a really, really expensive project, and they did it by selling bonds. That's their way of borrowing money. We wanted to know how much they still owed on those bonds. What we found was pretty shocking. The Bears in the NFL each chipped in $100 million. The Illinois Sports Facilities Authority issued bonds for the rest of the project, over $398 million. But right now, they owe over $383 million in principal and more than $256 million in interest. And they now owe $640 million? Yeah, they owe nearly twice as much as what was originally borrowed. I recognize that other voice in that piece. $640 million on a project that ended 20 years ago. I'm going to say that wasn't a good deal. I'm going to say you're also still paying it off and that that tax that you're using to pay it off needs to go to that. And keep this in mind. Soldier Field is filled every week the Bears play. 61,500 every single week that the Bears play. They're actually bringing money into the South Loop and the lakefront. Not to mention a Taylor Swift concert. I strongly recommend you watch that. It's on the NBC Sports Chicago YouTube channel. It's especially pertinent now. It's called Bear Down and Out, and the whole thing is available to watch on YouTube on demand whenever you want. It is really, really valid information in this climate. Why don't we take a break? When we come back, let's talk with Mike Florio. There's a lot of NFL stuff out there, and we're getting ready to go to the combine. We'll ask, well, we're not, but the football public is and we'll ask Mike Florio about all of that stuff and the latest on what he's hearing about Caleb Williams Justin Fields Bernstein Holmes Rahimi here with you until two on the score T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch visit your local T-Mobile store today plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary baseball is back and so is MLB.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The score! This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. 
Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain. Mike Florio. He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet. NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late. I was talking to Robert Kraft. That isn't the time for an airing of grievances. Pro football talk. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Let's talk some football with Mike Florio, shall we? He is the creator and editor-in-chief of Pro Football Talk, and he is with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, CircaLasVegas.com, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 to score. Mike. Hello. Hey. Mike, with a little bit of history being made at Hallis Hall, what do you know about Jennifer King? You know, I, I, I don't know much. Like, I don't know much about most assistant coaches in the NFL. And we know how this goes. You get a foothold, low level, and you work your way up, and you earn greater and greater opportunities and possibilities, and we see how high it goes. But for everybody who becomes a head coach, there are dozens who want to get in that position and have had various jobs along the way. And, you know, we're getting to the point, I think, I hope, where we just accept the fact that gender isn't a barrier to having success as a professional coach. And I think the the next frontier is a female coordinator, offensive or defensive. And then at some point after that, it would be the coordinator becoming a head coach. It's going to be a slow process just because it's a slow process for everybody who gets in on the entry level. But this is somebody who has experience. This is somebody who's had some success. And, you know, we're getting hopefully closer and closer to the point where the gender of the assistant coach, coordinator, or head coach doesn't matter. I think there's also a message when it comes to certain franchises being more open in hiring as well. I think it's a positive message. Like, for example, when you're the Lions and you have a player-based coaching staff or you're the Texans who have a young staff with D'Amico Ryans as the head coach, or it's Tampa a, under Bruce Arians, correct. where he was hiring everybody. It's a it's a good look to say we have a lot of positions for a lot of people. That's right, and it's not a requirement that you played football at a high level to be an effective coach. Now, at some point, you've got to be able to communicate to a room full of professional football players if you're going to become a head coach. But still, there's a way to do it without having been a professional football player, or even a college football player. It helps. It gives you a little more authority in that locker room, but you can make up for it elsewhere. So, you know, I think it's a good thing to see the NFL catching up to the rest of society. It's always felt like pro football has been, I don't know, at times 40 years, at times 60 years behind the rest of society. It's just kind of nice to see the NFL catching up. I wanted to follow up on a, a firing that happened last week, and I haven't had the chance to talk to you about it. Why Why does Steve Wilkes keep getting fired? Well, I think that in this specific situation, the explanation is because he got hired. Like, the arguments that were being advanced for firing Steve Wilkes last week, you know, he doesn't run the defense naturally that the 49ers prefer, so it was kind of a rough transition. Well, you knew that when you hired him. He did get hired into that job. I think what happened was Kyle Shanahan ended up spending, and I don't know this, but I think this is just common sense. He ended up spending a lot more time than he ever does 
messing with the defense instead of focusing on the offense. And it created stress for him. It created strain for him. And he decided he didn't want to do that again this year. And I think that that is the specific micro explanation for what occurred with Steve Wilkes. And it could just be the guy can't catch a break. I mean, he did a great job as interim coach of the Panthers, but David Tepper didn't want to give him the full-time job. He got stuck in a horrible spot with the Cardinals where the GM was suspended during training camp in the preseason for an extreme DUI. But after a bad 2018 season, one year on the job, Wilkes got fired and Steve Kimes stayed. And we've got the pending lawsuit that he's part of alleging decades of racial bias in NFL coaching. So I'm surprised and I'm delighted he keeps getting hired in fairly significant positions, even though his name is attached to that lawsuit. I thought all of the plaintiffs who were suing the NFL would be shunned forever. But Brian Flores is a defensive coordinator. Wilkes has been hired by two different teams. And I think the firings are just part of the same vague, weird stuff that happens to coaches all the time. Mike, I know this isn't necessarily your purview day to day, but something that I've been thinking about now that we have some distance from it is what we experienced over the last few weeks with the confluence of football, popular culture, and explosive gun violence being one of the saddest American things, one of the most American things that we've experienced. And it's it's still it's still kind of resonating with me that one of the most the most watched television show of all time and there's taylor swift and then we've got andy reed comforting someone amid gunfire like there's there's a there's a i don't know if there's a book here or what there is but the the, the the grandiosity, the just the sheer size, and then the awfulness of it, it just the Americanness of it has been really sort of heavy for me. I, I agree with you, and I think it was easier to articulate thoughts, even though we all have a certain degree of resignation that nothing is going to change when a mass shooting happens as a result of a weapon of war that no one should have access to, specifically landing in the hands of someone who should have access to nothing that fires any type of projectile all the way up to Nerf bullets. When you have that in our society, that feels like something we can at least try to muster the will to solve. When we have a situation where you've got people who are carrying pistols and who get sufficiently upset with each other because someone, according to the charging documents, was simply looking at someone else and guns are pulled and indiscriminately fired into a crowd of thousands, I don't know where you begin to try to even identify a potential solution to that. And this whole idea of people disrespecting each other by looking at them, I just did a an edition of our PFTPM podcast where I spent a lot of time talking about that. I mean, look, I've got stories of people that I know that got into fights because somebody was looking at them. You know, my mom one, t- one time had had girls that were roughly my age were in the car and they're like, what are you looking at? I mean, people of all ages, shapes and sizes and genders get upset when someone is looking at you. If the solution to that is pull out a gun and start pulling the trigger, what that what can we do about anything? I think uh, one of the things that was lasting with me, Mike, from the press conference that immediately happened where I, you know, public information officer typically is the one talking to reporters was the phrase, 
this isn't Kansas City. And I think shame needs to be discussed because denial isn't working. Not only is this Kansas City, it's America. How are they going to secure the draft in Detroit? How are they going to secure any other mass gathering of people related to an NFL event? And you can say, well, they'll just put metal detectors at the perimeter. We'll have a hard perimeter and we'll put metal detectors there. Okay, fine. How do you secure the area beyond the perimeter? Because you're going to have people gathering to go through the metal detectors. I mean, if somebody is determined, either premeditated or in the moment, to pull out a gun and start using it, you really can't secure any place where people gather. And, you know, this is a sad realization I had seven or eight years ago when we first started to focus on this problem of mass shootings literally every day in this country. When you leave your home, there are a certain number of risks you assume. There are certain ways that you can be seriously injured or killed. Getting shot in a public place without warning is now one of those risks that you assume anytime you leave your house. Do you think this will change the way that teams will at least prepare for celebrations? I mean, I'm not even sure what they can do other than maybe move them inside, but even then there's still risks. So is this a throw your hands up or do you think the NFL teams will even study this and say, what is it that we can do if our team wins a Super Bowl and we want to hold a rally for all the people that support us, but we want them to be safe? Well, I, I hope that every city will use this as guidance for any gathering. And I think the only solution is to have that clear perimeter where no one's getting through without passing through a metal detector. But again, that doesn't eliminate the risk of something happening on the other side of the perimeter, but at least it doesn't happen in the event that that's really the only way around. Like, you know, a stadium is incredibly secure. Fine. But the process of getting to the stadium isn't. And I think the NFL is very fortunate. Something like this hasn't happened before. When you consider all the tailgate parties, everything that happens in the parking lot, all the craziness, all the alcohol before a game. But for the grace of God goes the NFL when it comes to the kind of thing that happened last Wednesday, not happening when we've got 16 stadiums every weekend hosting these NFL games. What is the latest you're hearing of substance regarding what the Bears may do leading up to the draft and a quarterback? The one thing that I saw this week that caused me to try to apply some logic, common sense, although I will admit that my capacity to engage in both may be flawed at times. The report from Albert Breer that the Bears expect to have their plan at quarterback in place by next week at the scouting combine. That to me suggests that for now they're thinking about trading that pick because if the move is we're going to trade Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams, how do you finalize that the week of the scouting combine? Don't you have a lot more due diligence to do to come to the conclusion that this is the guy we're going to entrust the franchise with, that we're going to move on from a guy who still could end up being a pretty good quarterback and put all the eggs in the Caleb Williams basket? It just seems early to have come to the conclusion 100% universally, unconditionally, this is our guy. So if there's going to be a plan finalized by next week, it would seem to me the plan is no different than the plan last year when Ryan Poles was at the scouting combine engaging in the meetings that culminated in the trade that sent the number one pick to the Panthers in exchange for a lot of other stuff. And now look, maybe that's my own bias talking because I think that's what the Bears should do. Trade the pick 
get more lottery tickets, get more players, see what Justin Fields' ceiling can be, and move forward. I look back at the history of number one overall picks in the draft. It is not a murderer's row of Hall of Famers. You're taking a big risk that Caleb Williams is going to be this generational talent that everyone says, we don't know what he's going to be. So that's why I hope that's what they're doing. But that was my takeaway from that report. The only way you have a plan in place by next week is if the plan is we're going to get maximum return for that number one overall selection. Unless the word plan is is meaning something else. It could be a, a plan for their plan. You know what I'm saying? Where well, which our plan involves beginning our due diligence on Caleb Williams and or Drake May. Look, there's a lot of different ways this can go. And they have done a very good job of keeping everyone in the dark. Now, the fans might want a little more information. We as media members might want to have more information so we can properly serve as conduits to the fans about what the hell's going on. But from the standpoint of no one knowing what they're going to do, that gives them maximum leverage when it's time for them to make a trade if a trade is going to happen. Maybe they don't know and won't know what they're going to do until they know what all the alternatives are, what all the offers would be, either for Justin Fields or for that first overall pick. So there there really are a lot of different things they can do, and they've done a very good job of keeping everyone in the dark about what they're thinking. Mike, what's your favorite part of the combine? (laughs) I've gone enough times now that there are none. I mean, the whole thing is just an exhausting week. I like the opportunity to sit down and visit with coaches and general managers, even though it really turns into a very stressful nonstop process where you're just on all day long and it's one after another. I like that part of it, even though it wears me out. I like getting the chance to meet a lot of the prospects before they are sucked into the NFL's vortex. You get a feeling just, you know, how these guys come across. We try to have some fun with them. We try to give them a little bright light of, of a good time in the midst of this, you know, this very dehumanizing process that the combine can be. But I guess the favorite part of it for me is when it's over and I can finally go home because it is a very long, exhausting week that I dread more and more every year. Are we done with some of the psychological personality testing? I forgot specifically what the CJ Stroud controversial test was this idea of processing speed. And one of the large agencies is now telling quarterback prospects and others, just don't participate in this. It's dehumanizing and don't do it. The S2 test is the exam that C.J. Stroud supposedly failed miserably last year. Oh, and Bryce Young did incredibly well. And Justin Fields, I think, had like the highest score of his draft class. And which is one of it's interesting because the question on him is, does he process quickly enough on the on the field so I'm test. yeah it's, yep. it seems like it's now not a great test well at least in theory the s2 test is aimed at simulating decision making abilities under stressful circumstances even if the test itself is very flawed it's still better than the wonderlick test which i still don't understand what connection it has if any to nfl ability there is such a desire, I think, by teams to have data that is completely apples to apples comparable year after year after year. So we've been doing the Wonderlick test forever. We're going to keep doing it. I like the idea of players finally pushing back against it. I've been saying for years, if they can't secure the results of these invasive tests that can be used to make people look stupid because somebody's going to leak it to Bob McGinn, 
And Bob McGinn, without thinking twice about the ethical ramifications, is going to put it out there for everybody to see. And look, we've been there and done that. We used to put those numbers out there until I realized, wait a minute, there's something fundamentally unfair about this to the players, especially because a lot of the players would show up and not even care about the Wonderlick test. They didn't know it was being submitted. I'm not here to take a test. They just put down whatever answer. They get a horrible score, and everybody thinks that they, you know, uh, are stupid when they they just didn't really care about taking the test. So I think the whole thing needs to go, and I like the idea of agencies now standing up on behalf of the players and saying, our guys are not going to submit to this because they can't secure the scores. No matter what they do, there's always going to be somebody who's going to give the scores to someone who's going to see a profit motive in getting that information out there for clicks and views. And I, I understand we're, we're, we're in the media business here and there's money to be made, but I think there are lines that we need to respect. And hopefully this is the first step toward getting rid of all of those tests because they do get used against the players all too often. Another rule change that uh, you've discussed and that players are discussing is the gambling rules. And we saw it really rear its ugly head last offseason, right before training camp. What's been the latest on what players are saying and if they can get any movement? This is such a strange situation because the gambling rules flow from the NFL's power to protect the integrity of the game. And there's no bargaining that is done. It's all unilateral. The union accepts and agrees that whatever the league wants to do, it can do. And I've been surprised that the league has even allowed players to engage in sports betting on other sports. The league could say, if you want to play professional football, if you want to play in the NFL, you have to wait to engage in sports betting until your career is over. But they've created this strange minefield where, and it's as ridiculous as you can stand on the street outside of the facility and bet on March Madness. But the moment you walk through the door for your off-season workout, if you bet on the same game, you're suspended four games without pay. It makes no sense. And Chris Sims had an idea last year, and I think there's merit to this. The sports books that are stuffing money into the pockets of the owners want these guys who have a ton of disposable income and are intensely competitive and think they can win over the long haul. And we all know that you're going to lose over the long haul. The house always wins. They want their money. So let them bet on these other sports. But how can they say it's a threat to the integrity of the game when you're allowed to do it sometimes and in some places, but not others? It's either a threat to the integrity of the game or it isn't. And if it's legal and you're not going to go into debt with the bookie, you know, down at the bar where you got to sneak in the back door and place your action. If you get too far in debt, then they're going to start trying to get information about your team and maybe try to get you to shave points. That doesn't happen. You can only make these legal bets if you got the money now. It's not an affront to the integrity of the game. So hopefully the NFL, if they're going to let these guys bet at all, why have these dumb rules that will just cause guys to accidentally get themselves in trouble? Mike, thanks for the time. As always, we'll talk to you next week. See you. Thank you, Mike. That's Mike Florio, who joins us weekly to talk NFL. You remember the Bulls? Yeah. They're... The NBA team here in the in the city? Yeah, they had that lead against Cleveland, and then there were some things that happened. And... That was, a, you know, learn Kobe needed to fail so he can succeed later, and they trusted the ball in his hands. Are they going to be playing basketball again soon? Tomorrow, but not all of them, because oh. the guy got hurt working out, quote-unquote, working out. That's believable. During the... 
it's usually you think he he washed his car never or did he trip over Carlos Boozer's gym bag or Brian Greasy's dog? Hey or man, your we had dog. A, we had a Cubs pitcher get injured while putting pants on, so it's all in play, I guess. Maybe was, he sneezed. Was, or sneezing, or was it Carrie Wood in the hot tub? Any, or was, Je- it, was it spiders? Jeff Kent washing his uh, his car? Remember oh, that? you just reminded me of the high noon story that I haven't done. It's on Glen Allen Hill? No, but spiders are involved. Oh. So let's recap where we are with the Bulls and their bizarre injuries next. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Kobe feeds the post, double on the ball on Drummond, turns baseline, left corner, Babs Williams, left wing Carter in front to DeRozan, right side Kobe, creating against Eubanks, left hand dribble drive, jump pass, left corner, Williams open three, yes! On a throw and kick, Kobe White to Patrick Williams. He's still hurt. Patrick Williams isn't running. That was a sobering update yesterday. He's from not Billy running. What, this team, I I don't know what it is. And over the years, maybe every NBA team has their share of nebulous injuries and nebulous diagnoses. But I know we all get back to Luol Deng and active rest and the, the spinal tap and the time everybody was throwing up and all that stuff and Nate Robinson. But then to have the whole Lonzo Ball stuff and the Zach Levine, well, his foot is hurt, and now, well, does he have surgery? Yeah, now his season's over because he had surgery. What are we doing? What, what, is, does every team have injuries that are this weird? I think that... Part of the reason that it bothers you so much and us so much, because I'll throw myself into that category as well, is because of how important players are. How important for a team that is trying desperately to hang in in, in the play-in portion of the playoff thing, they need everyone to be working at maximum effort for them to even be considered a threat as a play-in team. This group is really good. So when someone is missing and someone stays missing, you have a lot of questions about, well, why is this person not here? Why? What, what was it? Was it a misdiagnosis or was it a setback in recovery? And those are fair questions to ask when it comes to the Bulls and how they put things together. And also business decisions. I think Zach's was a business decision. Like causation correlation with injuries and losing teams is, for example, mm-hmm. it's, it's different, but it kind of applies. Khalil Mack, is he out for the rest of the season if the Bears were in contention his final year on the team? Probably not. You know, and I, I'm not saying that you, you have injuries, you play with them. We know that for sure. Like, just look at what Nick Allegretti did, knowing that he was the next man up. Playing with the torn UCL, that's not fun. Explained that a lot, horrible. too. Because he was having a rough yes. day. But yes. that's the point. So, you're. It, it's just, I think it goes hand in hand in these cases. Like, when when less is on the line for you, are you more likely to, to do something that you need done, too? The uh, Tory Craig situation is frustrating because I feel like he came back earlier than we thought. You know, here he is just appearing in the game this against is- the Kings. And this isn't good news. I mean, you're talking about probably a month, aren't you? If he's not going to be reevaluated until two weeks from now? Yes. And it's one of the reasons why. Reevaluated in two to four. 
Yeah, yeah, two to four. Like, too optimistically reevaluated. It's why I hate when teams will talk about players, and not that the Bulls did this specifically, but I hate it when teams are like, oh, well, he's a quick healer. No, it's not. No, no. That's not a thing. No. It's not a thing. What about the hyperbaric chamber? Well, you want to you want to work with one? That'd be great. And it was one of the fallacies about Russell Westbrook was because wow, look how fast he came back from a knee procedure. The reason why is because when presented with the option when with meniscal cartilage of resect or repair, anybody can choose resect. And you can get back fast. It's just your career ends earlier. Yep. And your effectiveness wanes earlier. You could choose repair and be out for a long time and have to build back all your muscle and have everything immobilized. You can do that. So there's no free lunch. And there are people who choose to come back. They they take a rehabilitative track and a medical track that gets them back earlier, but at the expense of their career. Well, think about even what we learned when we were talking to Carter Hawkins. Dan, I think it was you who asked the question about the recovery time from Tommy John surgery because some say 12 and some say 14. And I believe it was him who said, it's the doctor's decision. It's which doctor you go to. That is especially important right now, given Liam Hendricks's track. That's why he got signed how he did with the Red Sox. It was because his is a, a 12, I believe, right? And they think they can get him back for September for the for a possible run. So it's it's a... There are so many variables that go into this for so many people, you know, because you have some choice in the matter. It's just the last thing. I mean, for for the Bulls to have doubled down on or tripled down again now on whatever they are, you don't have a forward. This group is really good. No, I mean, they're they're, they're not. So are are they going to buy somebody out or are they going to sign up one of the buyout guys, I mean? Well, they they admitted to Danilo Gallinari, right? That doesn't solve any problems. I mean, it was a self-solving problem. He's not here. Right. As long as you don't <laughs> sign Arisan Ilyasova again, I'm cool. But you don't think he really exists? Oh, no. He just he exists. I just don't believe he's ever made a shot. Oh, that's what it is. That's where the matrix it tricks you. Speaking of Tory Craig, can I tell you a funny story? Always. So you know he's got the twins logo on his shoulder, right? For TC, Tory Craig. So I didn't think about that. I was only seeing the Minnesota Twins. And so I said to a certain Bulls PR person that we know, I was like, why does he have that on his shoulder? He's not from Minnesota. He's from South Carolina. He's in Chicago now. Like, what's the connection here? And he's like, it's his initials. I'm like, oh, yeah. You're like, womp, womp. It's not just Twin oh. Cities. Oh. Like, I had, I had had a few too many socks goggles on that day, I guess. I also have another confession. Oh, I can't even imagine. Go ahead, Usher. Socks or goggles do to you. What other confessions do you have? I love the White Sox spring training hat. No, I mean, look, we, we were discussing this during a break. The White Sox, over the last 35 years, have never struggled from a fashion standpoint. Their logos are cool. Their gear is fly. That's why I have so much of it that I'm going to give away. It's It's incredible. Like their fashion sense is is out of out of sight. I have my original Batterman '83 starter jacket. '83, love it. Origi- 83. And it's in great condition. The 
dark blue satin starter jacket. It still looks awesome. Bring yeah. back the Hoya starter jacket, you cowards. I have I have some some gifts that aren't going to be given away. So I got an incredible jacket from Shake and one from Afia, and I'm keeping those until, you know, there's an ownership change. But the caps and stuff and the hoodies, uh, that stuff I need to give away. Guys, I, the I really think training gear has been for the, everyone. Well, well, the gear, yes. The jerseys, no. Well, yeah, that's a whole different mess. But, but the, the hats have been. The Cubs cap is, I think, fire. I I think it's a great cap. But that Sox hat, the gray, it's like the grayer. Oh man. Yeah, they always have good gear. They're they're very much style over substance. Very much style. There's nothing wrong with the style. Well, and, the, and they had it when they decided to lean into it, and they were gonna really understand how cool some of their stuff was, and they were ready to go with it. And then they hired the baseball police. And then they got the owner got scared and they scuttled the entire effort. But we should give him a billion dollars. Because he's, uh, he's got great sense of timing and what's cool and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Give him a billion damn dollars. Um, I just got sent this since we're talking about the Bulls. Maybe this is something we talk about tomorrow, Dan. I don't know. Apparently, Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, and Luke Longley are going to go on a, quote, no bull tour, close quote, to tell their side of the last dance story. I thought this was satire. I think it's real. Is it? I saw that, too, and and dismissed it as satire. Are you sure? The person who sent it to me is pretty smart, doesn't really fall for stuff. Okay. And we do know... That it, we know for a fact that Scotty was upset is how and how he was depicted. What is Luke mad about? I don't know. Maybe he's not mad. Maybe he just wants to tell stories. Never, Maybe he would have liked to have been featured a little bit more. He's never mad at anybody. You don't know that, Luke. Maybe, maybe he. You weren't sitting with him while he was watching the last dance and going, "I'm not getting enough shine." I'm Luke Damn Longley. I flew 16 hours to get here. He didn't, Y'all get didn't his even name say my name. At the Ring of Honor. Yeah, it doesn't seem like his style. Maybe it's a big check. Or maybe well, they just want a, an outlet, you know, kind of like us. We talk. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with them wanting to say, hey, now we've got it together. Someone's going to sponsor it. Now we can tell our story and make a little cheddar. Okay, good for them. I, I would listen to Are that. Are they coming to a theater near us? I hope so. I would hope that they would do many events in Chicago. This sounds crazy, but I think there's actually a real market for lectures and people who want to hear them and also traveling shows as such. You know what I heard? I heard that all three of them were interested in Don't. making sure that their Here vote gets counted Here at the QB1 town hall. Okay, one of the people in attendance at the QB1 town hall is somebody whose opinion I respect greatly. And I'm like, I don't know that you had to apply for this. I think knowing us, we would have gotten you in. So I know there's one guy whose opinion I trust. So this person is not going to be on stage? They're in the audience? Yeah. This is real, by the way. I am looking at the website for the... NBL, the National Basketball League, they are selling tickets. Um, oh, so it's in Australia. It is the NBA. apparently, but I'm going to see if the it's NBL is the Australian League. Yes. How, how much do the tickets cost? 
Let's see. And tickets to Australia. Australian dollars. I like our chances as Americans. Our dollar is strong against theirs. Is it? But it's yeah. so, it's a t- new no bull tour, so you would think they're going. Yeah, they're they're going to be tour. I, I would imagine they probably How many start though? in Australia. Well, is it a world if it's tour? affiliated with the NBL, it might just be stopping in the NBL city. Yeah, so far, uh, let's like see, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, Cannons. Do you think they'll run into some of those Perth. Australian animals? There's only three venues there? available and, right and now. And Ryan Perth. <laughs> and Ryan Perth. Don't forget about him. All right. Well, I look forward to when they they make their way to Chicago. Like they all. Like Scotty gets to celebrate a victory, right? Because <laughs> Larsa and Marcus broke up. So there is such. Ridiculousness. They couldn't have done that two weeks prior to where maybe other people would have attended the Ring of Honor. Yeah, it would have been Man, nice, as right? if it wasn't selfish enough. I, I love the fact that the Australian component of Ryan Porth is Ryan Perth. With yeah. a Scottish accent? Yeah. It's uh, so and much it, fun to say. And additionally, additionally no, I, I have to be the one to say so this. It's so much fun to say. You have to say Parth in a Harry Carey accent. If Larsa boy, were oh the boy. man in that relationship, if the <laughs> if the gender roles were reversed, what would the discussion be like? It, it, would, it would be how gross it is. Right? Yes, because it's Yeah, gross. going out with somebody's daughter? Yeah. No, not, no, going, no not going out with someone's the, daughter. The ages. But you, the, you being there as that person was a child. And yes. then dating them when yeah. they're an adult. Yeah, if, if the, the, the if age the thing is not a problem reversed, for me. And yeah. I've always questioned that part of it, too. Like, you were literally there when that guy was a child. Like, it, they would use different exactly. words to describe it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I'm advocating for the men here in this situation, if you can't tell. It's bad. By the way, flights from uh, Chicago to Sydney, you can leave on Friday, March 8th for the cost of $1,000. Okay. Yeah, so. There's right. potential Round for this trip. thing to expand That's the Noble coach, Tour. Though. You don't want to do that. The, the, there's potential for this thing to expand. It's presented by Coca-Cola. If there enough people show up in Australia, you know. So Atlanta's going to be on the list if it's Coca-Cola. It should be, as right. it should be. Is the Australian formulation of Coca-Cola different than ours? Great question. Probably because when our laws it, are so lax it, it, when it comes to what's in our food and beverages. No, it's just like Gross. Mexican Coke is better because they that actually use real cane sugar. sugar. That's, but why do they do that? Why do they use the more expensive ingredient? Because Be- the laws as to what goes into your body are different. That's not why. It's because our well, farmers. Well, in the European Union it is. Our farmers are subsidized. The corn farmers are subsidized, so the corn syrup has to get used because you of the subsidies. That are given to big He's a corn. Corn farm. That's why there's high fructose corn you syrup should, in everything. You should vote for him and then vote for his opponents. Yeah. Point being, certain things are bad. Other things are good. You can get a couple. There's a couple of weird ones. I'm looking on the Coca-Cola website uh, for Australia. You can get um, the normal ones. You can get Coke. You get Sprite. You get Fanta. You get Powerade. But then there's Mount Franklin and Pump. Yeah! <laughs> we we'll some pump. Vegemite flavor cap, right? Have you ever seen, um, if you've ever Mount noticed Franklin. an Angels game, and this requires you to watch an Angels game, but they're actually sponsored by a really popular, I believe it's Korean brand um, energy drink called Perkari Sweat. Oh. The word sweat is actually in the name. It sounds like, like a player name. I don't know that isn't, we should be doing isn't this. Isn't that the bit from Tropic Thunder? Booty, booty sweat, sweat. Al, yes. Al, Al Pochino's booty sweat. Yes. I'm a guy playing a guy. <laughs> dude is playing a dude. Another guy. You mean you people? We need to take a break. Why? Right. Yeah. Beca- because there needs to be room for Dan to be an idiot. <laughs> and the interesting part is 
the amount of room that's needed. <laughs> yes, it's very tight in there. High Noon is next. Brought to you score. by Pump. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? High noon! We do it every day, and we usually start high noon by telling you what we talked about. We started the show today talking about the White Sox pursuit of a new stadium in the 78 and Jerry Reinsdorf going down to Springfield to try and get money. And then we explained to you how it almost never works out for the constituents of the city, municipality, county, or state. Get money, boys. When when the teams are allowed to get money. But it did work out for the Cubs who put their own money into it and didn't have any public money at all. We also talked with Mike Florio about all sorts of football stuff including what his favorite part of the combine is and we had a small discussion about the bulls and with that i now say it's time for dan to get wacky can i read the headline from the mirror story yes can i simply read the headline this is the headline it's a story out of texas but this was in in the mirror.uk Man wearing kilt walked around store stuffing items up rectum before putting them back. Multiple stores. Now, with that, we bring you to the Fox affiliate (laughs) in Houston. You may remember this unusual video here we've been showing you this week. A man in an antique store placing items under his kilt, then putting them back. Well, Mitchell Vest is now charged with criminal mischief. Harris County Precinct 4 Constable Mark Herman says his office got several calls after the video was aired. Vest was arrested yesterday on a $100 bond. See how they didn't tell you where he was putting the items? Well, that's the the phrase the un- video under does. his kilt, and then you let your imagination the do the phrase rest. under his kilt is as they say, doing a lot of work. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> because while yes, technically, he was placing these items under his kilt. There are no lies told. Right, and and the kilt just makes this, by the way, because he's in Texas, and you got to see this dude. You, it's it, Mitchell C. Vest. Not West, Vest. <laughs> he's 60 years old. And <laughs> he's in a black tank top. I thought it was for the back. I wasn't sure. I thought it might have been McAfee. And as I have sent this story, <laughs> I woke up to this story, and I've since sent it to pretty much everyone I know. Tizzy of uh, Tizzy ENT on Twitter and TikTok had a very entertaining description of it all. <laughs> Well, the responses that I've gotten back from random people is I, I have just, I, I pretty much said it. First, I said it to, to my wife, to my wife. It just says, Happy Wednesday. I said it to my father. I said it to my son. And it just, it just I said, This guy knows how to party. <laughs> and then I said it, I said the story to a friend who texted me back. Do you want your products tested or not? 
A man in an <laughs> antique store placing items under his kilt, then putting them back. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was, I'm then picturing him muttering to himself as he does this. Nope. Sets it down. Another one. Uh, nope. Sets it down. Uh, try, try another one. Uh, this, let's say this one. Uh, nope, not that one either. But what happens if it, like... Yes, that's the one. Where it's just right. <laughs> finally. It's on, he's on his third store. And whatever, I have no idea what He finally finds the, the bowl of porridge that's no, it's just like, right. No, it's like, yes, exactly. But it's 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 a, like a 32-ounce Mrs. Butterworth's. And he's like, ah. Oh. Finally. <laughs> now. Like, it's just, it hasn't been right until he's just trying to get it right. And he finally does. <laughs> the kill oh. I don't know that we can use that term. No, you no. You absolutely <laughs> cannot. No. You should see the way Tizzy describes it on uh on the old social media. I, yeah, I, I don't bet think it's you wonderful. Can. But uh But in this case it's actually accurate. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like the Martian when he says yes. that, that he's yes. a space pirate. Yes. And then almost forgets his helmet and dies. <laughs> is that how that movie is? Wait, we're being cut off. Do we have time for no? No. It's eleven fifty-four. We do not have time because when we're gonna come back, we're gonna do some serious football. Sexy football? Yeah, a little bit of sexy football, especially if you're someone that likes to figure out where the the Bears are gonna get help on the offensive line I, from. Call it informative and useful football. Yeah, but but that's not the question. Can I weigh in on the debate everyone is talking about? Oh, here we go. Because today, Parkins and Spiegel are hosting a QB1 town hall from 2 to 6 in front of a live studio audience at the Blue Cross Blue Shield performance stage. They'll also be joined by football experts to weigh in on the quarterback debate Excuse me, the QB1 debate that everyone is talking about. That's the QB1 Town Hall with Parkins and Spiegel. Today from 2 to 6 p.m., listen live right here on 670 The Score or the Odyssey app. And you can watch live on Twitch and YouTube. Yeah, there's no QB2 debate. We know who has oh, that Oh, no, no, no. That's Tyson Bajan's dad. Good bloodline. Good bloodline. Pure, QB2. pure bloodline. No debate. It's very the, important. Cannot debate. That's a thing. The purity of the bloodline. We'll do that next on The Score. This segment is sponsored by Chicago Golf Show. Uh, would you would you suggest them doing something unprecedented to go get Caleb Williams just to up one spot, two to one? You know, I don't know that I would say unprecedented. I think if you can if you can get something done that's uh, you know that's within reason, I can make a case for that. I like the other two quarterbacks. I mean, I think there's there's three good quarterbacks in this draft that I, I think are really highly graded. And I also think when you look at Washington and you look at Adam Peters coming over there, you always carry your scars with you. And maybe the one do-over uh, that he might have with John Lynch there is the, the massive haul to go up to get Trey Lance that, that didn't pan out. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network on the Rich Eisen Show giving you football opinions. Three good quarterbacks in this draft. Okay. So last night, I was hosting Football Night in Chicago, and we had Brad Spielberger on, and he's great. Like We have him on this show all the time, 
I got like some extended time with him. I think we did like 12 minutes. Pro football focus. Yes. And over the cap. Overthecap.com. Uh, he did some really good breakdowns with like explaining f- functional cap too, like looking at the money that people have and figuring out who actually has what. And he has the Bears. They have the fourth most money in a functional cap situation, which is good to know because they should be out spending money this year. This seems like to be the year they should be spending. I know that you, Dan Bernstein, have been very interested in the center position. I am. I have been laser-focused on the center position. And trying to get some help for whomever is playing quarterback next year for the Bears. Because ideally, you don't want rookie quarterback, rookie center. And I don't know if you even want to get, if Justin were the choice, that you'd want to give Justin a rookie center. Well, I asked Brad on what centers are actually out there. And I was surprised to hear him talk about a bunch of different options that the Bears could have. I don't think it's it's the greatest idea. I think we saw something similar, like a James Daniels comes in a couple of years ago. They probably would have loved for him to be the center for Mitchell Trubisky, but probably thought, hey, this is just too much learning on the fly for both the quarterback and the center. The beauty of this offseason for me, nothing lines up better than the Bears needing a center um, and these centers available. So, and you have Shane Waldron, the new offensive coordinator's center from last year, and Evan Brown is available from Seattle. A former center he worked with in Coleman Shelton from the Los Angeles Rams is going to be available. A guy named Aaron Brewer in Tennessee who played with Nate Davis, who's played some guard and some center, also available. Connor Williams has been a hot name. He did tear his ACL in the middle of the season this past year, but a really, really good all those guys are good at zone run blocking, getting to the second level, good athletes in space, um, and guys you can really run the same run scheme with that also are going to offer you an upgrade in pass protection. So that's just a couple names. There's a bunch more. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry in Denver I think is going to be the biggest number, highest paid guy of anyone, really good young player from LSU, really, really good pass protector if they want to focus more on that than the whole run scheme fit. Um, but, yes, that is my favorite thing about this offseason from Chicago's perspective they cannot, they have no excuse to come out of the early first, second wave of free agency without a, a clear upgraded center. How's that make you feel? At least that there's something available to them. I don't know. I don't know centers. I know maybe the top four centers that I've watched in the NFL this year, but I can't speak to the quality of some of these guys. Yeah, but the fact that there's at least a, an ample supply. Okay. Just get it right. Of veteran centers that People are available. People liked the Lucas Patrick signing, though. Yep. I didn't. But some did. Yeah. Stick with me, though. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you're right about the shoes. Hey, man. By the way, I have to compliment you on a great question to a great guest, Brad Spielberger, but also, you playing that music? What are you talking to? Him? I know. I, you providing that music. Look, look, this is one of the things, and Layla knows this very well. If you're going to host Football Night in Chicago, you got to come to the table with something other than just good questions and a killer wardrobe. You've got to come with, like, you got to make sure that you can play an instrument. Like, what you don't know about Layla plays the sax. So whenever <laughs> Layla is on and a guest is answering a question, she's playing the saxophone. That That's what works for her. Me, I'm guitar. I, I play a little bass because obviously – um, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, obviously I play bass, even though I've never played a bass. So, so we hot, hot trombone, and you would go, "How in the hell does David do that?" 
while he's asking the questions. You guys got to all get together. You got a ska band ready right now. Well, you guys all get together we record, for one. You know, the football music for football night. Yeah, that's what we do. Mark Carmen plays drums. Ruthie sings, but it, you know it can get in the way sometimes of the guest. What answer. instrument do you play? I can play a little bit of piano and a little bit of drums. Okay, and you play viola. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to talk about that. Not even people who play viola. And I can play. I mean, I can play the guitar. I'm bad at it, but I can. I can. Pretty, Is I, this how Theo's name, band started? I don't know, but I'm saying we could put together a really bad band. I could be the, the second band I've ever been in. Studs plays drums, correct? Yeah, I Studs has got us on drums. Zildjian shirts. And then I think I think Ray could, you know, he could be like the the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine. Oh yeah, hell yeah! There you go. Ray against the machine. Eh? Ray, Ray machine. against the machine. <laughs> Ray, Ray, Ray against, against the sack sack machine. machine. <laughs> Is it Zach De La Roca, right? That's right. Yeah. Sack machine. I'll give you a very very brief anecdote anecdote that uh, ties into a sports story. Connor Bedard, right? He had his mouth wired shut because of the jaw, the, the fractured jaw. I had that too. And the summer that that happened to me. Kanye West. Uh, no, it was Rage Against the Machine that I was oh. going for at Lollapalooza. And so I had to make the decision, do I do I do that in a crazy crowd with mosh pits and all that? And I went and I did it, and I did not regret it. You did? Yep, with my, my mouth wired shut like Kanye West. Man. I thought can't that, you just re-break the jaw if it anything could happen. happens? Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say that you were doing backup vocals on Through the Wire. Is that, because uh, that's what he it did. It was for breakfast and chef for dessert. Right there at the... Just, Love the, the idea. Herald. Ray against Sag Machine. Sag Machine. <laughs> That's the name of the band. You're right. Um, there's more football stuff from Brad Spielberger. I would like to hear it. And you'll also hear me playing guitar. This is him talking about I asked him about like sliding door scenarios because there's the door of the more likely door is that the Bears trade Justin Fields and they draft Caleb Williams. So I wanted to know what he thought the Bears could get back if they were to trade Justin Fields. I think the interesting thing here, and I'll say a second-round pick and then some more change on top of that, probably day two picks. Um, but, but you know, a second and change, you look at recent trades, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, you know, all, all the recent quarterback trades are in that, in that window. Um, and, and I think as much as he's probably shown more than those players, probably has more upside for various reasons than what those guys had shown up to the point of their trade – I think in today's NFL, there's the, you know, the fifth year option is now fully guaranteed the moment you exercise it, which does change things. It used to be only for injury. You could get out of it like we saw with Leonard Floyd in Chicago a couple of years ago. So that dynamic. And then for me, it's just a simple supply and demand thing. I do not think it lined up particularly well where I think you're going to have four quarterbacks go in the top 10. And then I think you have, you know, Kirk Cousins fills a void. Baker Mayfield probably fills a starting void. Um, you know, and there, there's just a bunch of options. So I would say I look at Pittsburgh, I look at Atlanta. Those two teams are very interesting to me. Um, but, you know, coming to the offseason, I would say, okay, Las Vegas. Eh, I don't know about Las Vegas now with Luke Getzey at offense coordinator. So, Ooh. like, that to me is where it gets a little bit more difficult. But long answer short, I do think a, a second-round pick should be on the table. Real quick, doesn't sound the same without the music. I mean, we I take, missed the music that time. We take a break. You know what I mean? I, there's, I got a lot of stuff that I got going on, studs. I can't, you, you, you only That's run right. out of so much stuff. Like, it's, it's important. By the way, at All Star, did you guys notice that they said Kenny G was playing the sax? And I think it was a clarinet. 
but it d- no, doesn't. It's he, probably a soprano. Yeah, sax. he has a uh, the the soprano sax that he played with Warren G okay. when it was Warren G and Kenny G. I was like, that doesn't look like a. And by the way, confirmed when I was in Brooklyn, I think I texted the group that you found out that he, you guys that are cousins. I, one of my cousins, my my first cousin once removed, one of the blacks. No, oh. he's he's from the Omaha side. He is the sort of the the amateur self appointed genealogist for the family, and he has gone back on on that side on my dad's side. And I asked him, and I told him about Kenny G, and I said, "Look, his name is Gorelick." It's spelled the same way as as our great grandmother's maiden name, and she was also from Belarus. The emigration would time up, and he said, "Absolutely." He said, "I can't prove it." He said, "There's absolutely a a much better chance than not that we are cousins with Kenny G." Just he said, "Just knowing that, based on his research." Well, I want you guys to know that that's I'm fulfilling. I guess I don't know. What about Rita G? Yes, Ray. Every time you guys talk about Kenny G, I email someone at his label, and they they were very responsive. But this is like over a year of you guys talking about this. So Kenny? I'm I'm hoping that will this will help today. Uh, Maybe we'll get Kenny G on the show finally now that you have confirmed it. Well, confirmed beyond like a reasonable doubt that these are the. I mean, obviously we could get a blood test. We're not doing that. We're which not? by and by the way, twenty three and me got hacked. Yeah, dude. because as it, it, because people wanted to find out they were looking actually for Ashkenazi Jews what the in the hell? in the data. Yeah, yeah. This is it's one of the, this bad, is one of the reasons why people don't. Yeah, do I don't things. do it because yes. I just I don't do it because my grandparents don't speak English. I know exactly where they're from. But everybody in our family, like we were asked as part of this project to to provide DNA for the all of the stuff, and I refused. Um. Okay. Getting back to a more tangible scenario. Yes. Number one. It always kind of upsets me, not kind of, that Justin Fields is talked about for a second-round pick when Chase Claypool was pick 32. Mm-hmm. Not that he was drafted there, that they traded the pick for him. That alone is insulting. Am I by myself in this? Yeah, I... I'm okay, with, I'm, fine. I'm, no, 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 no. I, I, was agree- I'm not, I wasn't saying that you were by yourself. I'm agreeing with you that it's weird that someone who actually has an NFL resume would be rendered a second round. I've seen some people say a second and a conditional, a second and a fourth for Justin Fields. I wonder if they're, if they're, because you really only need two teams to want them. And if the two teams are Pittsburgh and Atlanta, though maybe you don't want to trade with Pittsburgh ever again. Um, that one kind of stings. Well, yeah. Wasn't that really more Well, they're debating between the Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. But wait, hold Ugh. on. No, they're not. The reason why they gave up that kind of pick was for was because the Packers were like, "Oh, maybe we want Claypool." Yep. This is one of, one of those early moments of Ryan Pace's career where you go, mm, "Missed it by that much." Are you mean Ryan Pulse, Pulse? Pulse or Pace? But Either like, way, let's also remember the Khalil Mack trade and what that what that demanded in return. And and I just think for a quarterback. It, you want to talk about the C word in sports? Well, the other part is I the $30 Because ideally, you're trading for Justin Fields. You're signing the fifth-year option. So that's $30 million that you're committing to that player. 
or $32 million, what you're committing to that player. So maybe that's why it ends up being a second instead of a first. Khalil Mack, the Raiders got four draft picks for him. Four. I mean, he that first season. I get it. Second I, season, too. I get it. But I remember talking to Wani about it at the time and discussing that trade and how well it was working out for the Bears and thusly not trusting Ryan Pace with first-round picks and saying, I don't see the problem here. And Wani said, that's one of the first things you do as a coach. He goes, you you see what regimes have just been installed and who they think they need to get rid of who you know is talented. Well, sometimes it's a scheme thing. Sometimes you, it's a 30 front or a 40 front and guys just don't fit. It's also sometimes current regime's evaluation of talent that's incorrect. If I'm Justin, I want to go to Atlanta. I mean, that's been the discussion the whole time. I don't, But not because I'm going home. I want to go to Atlanta because I can win that division. If I'm if I'm going to Pittsburgh, I'm probably going to make the playoffs, but it, then I'm going to run into run into either Lamar, Josh, or Patrick. I'd like to only face one of them. So if it, you have the better chance of doing that in the NFC than the AFC, but that's just to me the going home part makes things more difficult. But if I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it and going, okay, the NFC South is easier to win than most of the other divisions in football. I don't have to worry about all of those. The, the, the real dudes are in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Like the real quarterbacks that are going to cause problems. And one of them is also in your division mm-hmm. with Joe Burrow. So I'll take my chances in Atlanta. If I were Justin, if if Ryan Poles goes to me and say, hey, where would you like to go? I would like to go to Atlanta. If you can make that happen, that would be great. And you've got an excellent running back. And to me, the best insurance policy for a quarterback's career is an excellent running back. And, and a tight still. end that hasn't been fully actualized yet. I just, I know we're going to talk about it a lot, but that part of it has always bothered me the terms yes ray uh the other part of the whole instagram and justin fields thing uh, unfollowing the bears the question as to whether he ever followed the bears whatever is he's following several atlanta falcons players he is so that's the other thing people really really look at because he's an atlanta falcons fan um oh so one more with brad spielberger before we get out of here so i asked him the justin fields question I said, all right, let's go through the other sliding door and let's talk about what if the Bears were to trade the number one pick? What does he think they could get in return? It's going to be a historic trade. It might be the biggest trade under the you know rookie wage scale construct we've ever seen. Obviously, it depends how far they go, right? So if you go to one to nine again, I think it would blow last year's trade out of the water because look, people liked Bryce Young. They liked CJ Stroud. They didn't feel the same way they do about Caleb Williams. And I think to a degree, Jane Daniels and Drake may um, are also viewed as really, really high caliber tier one prospects in their own right. So you know, if it's, let's say hypothetically you go to Atlanta at eight, which I think is probably about as far as they'd be willing to go. You're talking three first day, two picks. You're throwing in a, you know, a DJ Moore equivalent from that team. Um, whether that's a uh, Jake London or a Kyle Pitts or AJ Terrell at corner, whatever you want to kind of work out there. Um, it's a massive, massive haul, but I'm guessing they'd rather go a little bit shorter term. So, uh, or kind of a shorter move. I know we've heard Washington at two and that they could still get future first round picks. Probably in my eyes, I think they could get 40 
and then which is their own pick for, for, for Montez Sweat. Um, and then one future first. I know some people think it's more than that. I think it's going to be hard to get a, that much more for a one-spot move. Um, but, yeah, long answer short again, uh, it's going to be a ridiculous haul if they do do it. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to do it, but that's a lot. I don't. I mean, I don't think so either. I still think this is Occam's razor. I really do. I think we're, we can debate it all we want. but We're not debating it. That's right. The Parkinson Spiegel are debating it live today with their football experts and you that I I, I think that it's they're, they're not going to be the team that passed on this opportunity. I would also Washington. If I were the Bears, Washington would pay a premium for the number one pick. Yeah, because you know that they want it. You know how badly they we are. know exactly who they want. Exactly. And, and and maybe he wants them too. Although that has not been said by anyone close to Caleb Williams. But they would pay a premium. It would be different than just moving one spot, although there is precedent for giving up a lot to move one spot. Mitchell Trubisky. Right, the precedent that didn't have to be set, that they set because they got scared. And I know we touched on it in our our big game preview show that we did at Benchmark a couple Sundays ago, but the 49ers... Don't get a lot of flack for a terrible trade. Getting Trey Trey Lance. Yes. You know what's weird? I don't remember anything I said on that show. On the Sunday show? Yeah. Why is that? Because you weren't there. I was. I think. (laughs) I think this is a bigger conversation. (laughs) No, I don't. I I don't mean physically. No, no, I just don't remember anything that I said. Was that actually on the air? Yes. Okay, you sure? As I told you multiple times. Are you sure that that show was actually I walked aired? in and you two are sitting at your respective tables with very obvious facial expressions, but I could not tell the origins of them or where what was really meaningful behind them. I was having anxiety because I wanted everything to work out and I was afraid that it wouldn't, but it did. And the food was really good at Benchmark. They had I can, great food. I can guarantee you that show was on the air. I was here. Okay. I was in charge. All right, because now we're back to like the lucid dreaming thing. Because that that might have been, I think I had one of those out of body moments during that show where I kind of thought I was, but I guess not. When we come back, can I give you my really stupid way to save the All Star game or way to get rid of the All Star game in the NBA? Let me see here. It says here on my rundown Kobe, Caitlin Clark, also Dan's bleepy idea. (laughs) You're not wrong. All right. I say we we come back with the former, and then if we have time for the latter, we'll share it. All right, snacks on the score. You 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 listen to Bernstein and Holmes middays ten to two on Sports Radio six seventy the score. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? There it is. The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. That's how you do it. The Logo 3 from Caitlin Clark. We saw at the game, like, wait a second, that's a familiar face. That's a familiar hairstyle. I know that hairdo. And the facial expression was also very, very quintessential. Yeah, he popped up. Kobe White popped up behind Caitlin Clark's dad during the post-game ceremony. It was really cool to see. So apparently his girlfriend's sister plays for Michigan. Okay, so he had tickets. 
And Kobe is a... He got tickets to the game that no one could get tickets to. I also welcome Kobe into the hoops junkie portion of life. Like, Kevin Durant would just go to Texas women's basketball games all the time because he loves basketball. DeMar. You see DeMar at Sky Games and other WNBA games. You are burying the lead right here. Adam Studzinski brought in his the, the sausage apparently they made for his birthday, the family homemade, handmade Polish sausage recipe. Holy crap, is that good? So... But this this wasn't this is made on this was made for Christmas. Okay. I had I had a bunch of it in my freezer still. I made out with four links this year, so this was the third one. The one so, that we saw the pictures of with it was yeah, hanging, right? Yeah. So and there was a lot more than just the picture I sent you guys. By the way, that I like so how we all were good. quiet. So like if you're we listening chewing. over the air, nobody knows what just happened except if you were on Twitch, where I silently stood up and displayed the plate to all cameras. I mean, that is that is really good the 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 heat balance of black pepper for the heat on that <laughs> yeah sure i don't know <laughs> so you don't know the ingredients like what? i know i could i could get you the recipe but i here's the thing it's like i go me. to i go to the sausage making party and it's already like mixed up and we're just really doing the sausage stuffing there it's an actual also, sausage fest yeah yes it's, it's, an actual actual party. Fest. it's a, a literal it's an, sausage it's fest. an actual sausage party and so but this year especially <laughs> you know there's a there's the Bears game was on, so I was like, "Oh, sorry guys, I can't help. I got to watch the game." So yeah, but if the Bears game is on, does that make it taste worse? I just wonder. The if Bears that... game was on downstairs. Okay, because I, I wouldn't want <laughs> Bears game. I don't want Bears game vibes soaking into the sausage making process. Well, it turned well, then out just fine. Don't watch it. It's ambient. It, you, it would. It, but you no, know, these. Oh my god, these are great. There's what are the aromatics in there? Is that clove? He doesn't know. I gotta. I, I need He's to write told the, write you down the three recipe. times. He doesn't know. Are I mean, you there's, trying there's to garlic? Obviously, obviously garlic. <laughs> yeah, there's garlic that's gonna be coming out of my skin by the and time. And it's I like get pork, home. pork butt, and pork shoulder. Same thing. Yeah. Well, they added. They started adding more fat. Good. So last. This is last year's the 2023 or 2020. I don't know. Whatever. Last year's sausage mm. was the best it's ever been. This one isn't quite there. But it's still well, good. then I'd love to taste last year's because that's pretty damn good. Well, yeah. and, and like I've told Ray before when I've told him about the like little more detail on the sausage was I, this is the only Polish sausage I recognize as like actual Polish sausage. I will anything else is inferior to me. Anything well, else is, after is, having is that, yes, dog. we understand. So, so now. like like the grill at a baseball game does not nope, count. Doesn't count. There's another thing I like about guarantee Maxwell Ray. Street. Not as good. Jean Sausage Shop on Belmont. They all do not live up to this. I'm s- wow. Okay. Also, shout out to Studs for hooking me up. Even though I don't eat sausage, I'm pescatarian. He hooked me up with some pierogies. And a cool thing about what he brought this in is like a a uh, Star Wars kitchen. <laughs> where- <laughs> Dude, guess what? Star Wars I, I actually have a similar... Thing I have Grogu, Baby Yoda. There's a full yes. set. I, there's a. I might have a Grogu one because we were walking. I'll bring, through, I'll bring mine in tomorrow. Dan, we were, we you were had walking a segment. through. We were walking care. through whatever store that we saw them in, and I was with my fiance, and I was like, "Well, we're buying those." She's like, "We don't need them," but I was like, "But I want them." Yeah, I've got, I've got, it, and you can put it in the oven. It's really great. That's glassware. So, do you have Simpsons? Because I, I would also expect you to have. Uh, set of the Simpsons. I don't think so. All right. Wow. Future so gift. now we know what the new birthday present is for studs 364 oh, please, days from now. Please. 
we got too much Tupperware. We're good. Everybody does. Uh, are but you going to tell us? Does next time tell me that we've got homemade Polish sausage before I put in a Starbucks order with Mitch? I was trying to surprise you guys. Although this actually does kind of go with your egg bites, I am surprised, and I knew right? you were bringing it. I Almost heard the show well. yesterday. Yeah, it, it goes with your egg bites. You're good. You actually have sausage bites for your egg bites. But there's bacon in the egg bites. Yeah. And? What's your point? <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan, this, this whole second half of the segment is yours. Oh, so here's my really stupid idea to get rid of the All-Star game. <laughs> And people say, well, what are you going to do? Well, they've tried everything, right, in the NBA. They've tried it. They've tried. We'll do the quarter scoring, however you described it, with the charities. Remember? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have to donate to charity. And then they'll. All right. Forget the basketball game. Okay. Forget it. Do you remember when, at least when I was a kid, every once in a while, you'd see a promo where, like, all of the CBS network stars Battle would, of the Network no, stars? No, 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 not the sports. They would do a, a choreographed, it, it would lead like a big, st- the fall season would come up and you yeah. would see like Carol O'Connor and Carol Burnett dancing Th- together. There's a very famous one with B. Arthur and Urkel. That that had been more recent. Or like the Cosby Show Open. You remember how they'd come out with the new Open every season? But this would be your entire network, like everybody that was anybody on your network. Would do. A, they would wear tuxes and evening gowns and do a choreographed bit. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, talent show, NBA full blown talent show, and not just like oh, we're at, it's the last night of camp and yeah, let's, not not guys just singing their fight song. Like, is there mm-mm. something that you do? Do you play the violin right. or the piano, or or whether or you do sketches and you do real comedy bits? There's there's and we know every team that I've ever been around has somebody who really thinks he can sing, and sometimes really can, other times cannot. But whether it's singing or a stupid human trick of some kind that could scale to a stage, and then if you want, you could have like the Statler and Waldorf could sit up there, Barkley. And Kenny Smith and Shaq and Shaq can pelt guys with Nerf balls or throw tomatoes at them or press a button that, that, that does something to them. So you could do like a, a some combination. Of, you want the gong show or the Muppet show. I will say I, I the Spurs a, 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 would have an advantage because they do that commercial for AGB every year. That's, that's right. right. Like a big, a big variety show, gong show, Muppet show extravaganza. But you you start it with enough lead time that maybe there really is a legit talent. If this is international, that maybe somebody does well, like I mean, traditional Slovenian dancing. So, so this has become a thing at NFL Honors. And the person who's taking the most advantage of it has been Kirk Cousins. Last year he sang with Kelly Clarkson. Hi, Kelly Clarkson. And this <laughs> year, it, I think it was him and Cam, Cam Jordan did like a dance routine. So now it's like when Kirk Cousins shows up to NFL honors, he's going to do something. So this could be similar to that. Now, and you're making this a televised event too, right? Oh, are you? Absolutely. I also think like voting. Can their celebrity friends come in? Yeah. That might get a little mission creep because then the idea is for for them to be the talent, but completely outside of basketball. Like Jimmy Butler and friends. 
Don't ask me why I picked Jimmy Butler. Because he has a lot of celebrity friends. Yeah, that was my best example. But, or but, like Dwayne Wade and wife. Or like, can Jason Sudeikis come in and do a comedy bit with someone? I'd have to think about that. Because I, I would want them to do the work themselves. Maybe you, br- you could bring in Jason Sudeikis as a director. Or not as a performer, but if he wanted to direct a, an a, so original NBA sketch comedy or a, a, a whose line is it anyway style improv. Or and, you could also switch it up and have famous NBA fans who are talented, like Two Chains, who played Division One basketball. Well, that's the celebrity game, though, that they do that. They really for, right? didn't have any celebrities no, in they the didn't. celebrity game. But I just, I, I think, however you want to do this. Or I'm gonna, old, which is also. More than likely. That's like the, the family guy bit with the, the teen choice awards or whatever it is. I, I was Chad Bredden. Brad Chadden. Chad Bred Chad. The People's Choice Awards were on NBC and our sports department was having some real trouble trying to identify everyone. Like we could identify I Spice and such, but and Alex Earl. But then it, it kind of leveled off after that. Yeah. Oh, this hurts. The 336 says, Bernstein, your idea is as bad as Parkinson's envelopes for NFL overtime. I, I actually, you know what? I, I was, mean, I was very afraid of your idea I told being you terrible. It was bad. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to. I, I actually game. think that there, the, I don't think this replaces the All Star game, but I do think there's a place for it in All Star weekend. Okay. I'd rather have this on Friday night than the celebrity game. Like, a, but but have fun with it, and they've got to really be into it, and tell they've got to tell the league what they want to do months before, what? so you can really practice. And, and can can I just say we should open this up too? What if Adam Silver is like a world class pianist? Pianist? No. No. What? Well. well what if he has some talent that he could come out there? What if he comes he out there and mandatory. sings like Luther Vandross? Man- like, mandatory. He that would ab- be amazing. He absolutely yeah. would have to pick something to do. Adam Silver, th- th- or that, a, or, that's part of it. Like, have, he has, has to, to do something. Has to. He comes out there and sings A House Is Not A Home and, and shuts it all down. It'd be awesome. Or or he, he saws the assistant commissioner in half. Okay, I don't want Seems that. Seems violent, but Okay. It's not not terrible. There there's something there to work with. Okay. Okay. Because I meant it kind of. But, I meant it. I but not to replace the game. I used to always joke that Dwight Howard was a theater geek trapped in an NBA player's body. Like one of the happiest times I ever saw him was on Sesame Street. People do get happy when they How get on that show. How could you not be happy on Sesame Street? I know it really is. Except Julia Louis Dreyfus. Who got in trouble for swearing in front of Elmo? Well, so did Robin Williams. Well, and then there was the most curb your enthusiasm moment ever when Larry David was caught on the Today Show assaulting Beating Elmo. Up Elmo. You know what? That, honestly, that was really bad. It's terrible. And Will Wheaton wrote an Will essay. Wheaton. Will Wheaton wrote an essay about it and about the the trauma that he had being abused by his dad and how much it hurt him and helped relive that to see. Elmo, who is the embodiment uh, he's of, a child. of child-like He's naivete. three, right? Yeah. Isn't Elmo three years old? And to see that happen and to have Larry David sort of not even get it and not apologize how and just how traumatic it was. To lean into it yeah. because he's Larry David and he right. does stuff like it that. Just the, but the misanthropy against other adults is one thing and making fun of his own misanthropy is another thing. But 
assaulting the literal embodiment of childlike wonder is not okay. I agree. And that's why I don't watch Curb. I stopped. I didn't like it anymore. I, I the the cringe comedy like Beth and, and Jason watched The Office together, and I just I didn't. After a while, the cringe comedy I've I've sort of I don't know if I've grown away from it. If it makes you feel any better, I will die on the hill that the last couple seasons of The Office were still good. A lot of people say no, but I, I say yes. I disagree. I, I with those people, not with you. I think it's still funny. And and I still think that Pam's the villain. Well, I believe you on that. And She's yes, the worst. And also I know that Jean's we had this, Belmont, we had this son, we had the conversation Lincoln, with uh with Joe Madden about this. Joe is correct. No, Joe Oh Joe, no, Joe didn't like or he liked Pam, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was uh, she's a sweetie and no. all that. It was like, no, 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 Pam's a villain. Where she confidently says Jim just loves her too much. No, a relationship requires maintenance. Mm-hmm. That person has agency, and you can't just rely on what you think might be happening there. That's lazy. Pam's the villain. Like, who says that? Oh, he just loves me too much. What? Value your people. She's the villain. Um, when we come back, if you were one of those folks who was sitting there going, is this Justin Fields thing of him unfollowing the Bears and following a bunch of the Falcons? Is that is that a thing? Am I too old? Do I not get it because I'm not Gen Z? You'll hear from Justin Fields himself on that subject next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Wait, since we're here, hold on. But, I mean, what's we're not... The, no, 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 no. Since we're here... All right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it, because... That's a tease for all you listeners out there. Stay tuned. <laughs> I don't think that's how it went on the promo. <laughs> you don't know. Wani's everywhere. Wani works for everybody, so he might be on the St. Brown Brothers podcast, too. Wani's correct. That Brown? is a tease. It was an excellent tease last night where they actually have Justin Fields out there with the sun god and Equinemius, and, and they're talking to him about these choices that were made. I, I find them to be quite entertaining. Me too. Have they delivered on the tease? you got to pay it off. You, you well, can't, you can't have a tease and not pay well, it off. We're about to find really, out. Yeah, the payoff is the release of the podcast, which came out today. Since we're here, hold on. But, I mean, what's we're not the, comparing. What's, comparing well, no, 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 no. Since we're here. All right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so seriously? <laughs> <laughs> but like, why you why you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. It's not, I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Right? Mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG, don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. You That's know? true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears much more now that you unfollow them? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. It's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either keep field. We want field to the drive, Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I while I'm away, I'm probably still gonna be on Instagram, even on vacation. I don't want my algorithm to be sending me stuff about me or Caleb Williams. Yeah, that's fair like, enough. That's like when I was when I went to Mexico and you said take Dan off the group chat. Mm-hmm. 
I remained on the group chat in Europe with no regrets. I don't need Dan distracted. Take him off the group it chat. It was good. It was. It actually was. That was a really nice thing for you. A very thoughtful thing for you to do. Thank you. That absolutely made the Mexico trip and the ability to not look at my phone, the ability to not care what time it was at any point, made it really valuable. Yeah, I have no. For me, I'm not like worried about being on my phone all the time. I don't know. I like purposefully detached from Instagram on that trip too. So that's kind of, for some, it's easier than others. Yeah, it's not easy for me. We'll see what ends up happening when I go on vacation in a couple weeks. But Also, Dan didn't attach either. Remember he texted us some sports story that was, like, somewhat obscure that he would have had to have found by we being all, on his phone. And we all yelled at him? Yeah, yes. As well, we should have. What was it? Something sports. Something okay. bears, I but feel like. Can I also just... Just oh, it was one of the Kevin it. Warren stories, right? It was reacting. <laughs> it was reacting to yet another day in the life of Kevin Warren story that was done. That is one hundred percent the thing you didn't need in Cabo. Can, can I ask you this question? Would you, if if offered, would you spend a day with Kevin Warren? What's the offer? That's the offer. What do I get? You get to see what his life is like for a day. I don't want to wake up at four thirty. All right, so you get to meet him when he's washing the car. You lose. You lose the test already. Okay, well, I lost because that's too early. But What if you sure, could join I, Kevin I Warren at, say, 10? 10's ideal. You guys go to Walker Brothers and get some brunch? Meet him at the house statue. Lawrence is there every morning anyway. I know because Lawrence is only there <laughs> at like 3 in the morning and then he's gone. Disappears Sand- into the night. Sandhill Cranes hang out at house. I know. Yeah. I love Sandhill. I'm just Cranes. walking up and down Hyde Park Boulevard. That's all I'm doing. No, nah, you're riding your bike all the way up to the Hallis. I take my hot girl rock around town. I go to like the river. I go to the lake. Sometimes I go to the lake and the river. I was Sometimes thinking I go about up it. Random street. This morning, I was Wesley. like, man, it's nice enough to like really ride today. Like it's ten mile ride. Nice today. Like, so, like the guys in Highland Park, do you put on, like, the big alien helmet? And, no, and all of your I'm not very... I don't, Go I mean, through the ravines I, I have 40 I, miles an hour? I, ro- I rock a mountain bike. I haven't stepped up to a a, a 10-speed. Because those guys look like clowns. No, but, I mean, there's, there's... I feel like a clown sometimes. I put on my safety gear. Like, you put the helmet on. You put the glasses oh, on. These guys think they're Being in, like, Shinzano or something. I, I do uh, feel like a clown when I put it on, though, because I'm like, Really? Because on the lakefront, I don't have to worry about traffic. So I'm like, do I really need a helmet? But I'm yes. like, yeah, I should yes. probably wear one. You do. In fact, one of my uh, former roommates in Philly is a social worker at a children's hospital. And if she sees anybody on any sort of bike thing and they don't have a helmet, she gets angry. Well, I will say that the thing that I think is funny, like the folks that are doing the e-bikes now, I think Speaks has got one, but he always wears a helmet. He'll bring his helmet in here most of the time. Those things are going 20, 22 miles an hour. And They're I'm like, fast. you should be wearing a helmet. Did I like, ever? For real, for real. Did I ever tell you guys? And pedal your damn bike by yourself. No, I get it. I if mean, you want to see. If you're trying to use it for transportation and not. Then well, sometimes it's easier. I will also say that there's a freedom to riding your bike that you can't get with either a run or a car. Just the, the distance that you can go. So sometimes like. If I go far out, like if I go from Hyde Park to the edge of the city, uh, the I, f- I forget the name of the park, Calumet Park. 
Calumet Park on the southeast side of the city. Like, after you're done, like, looking around and stuff, and you realize, oh, it's going to be quite the hike. <laughs> Back to Hyde Park from here, it'd be nice to have an e-bike. But, yes, you, you'll get more out of the pedaling. <laughs> but but that's, that's your version of the old Rodney Dangerfield joke. I see my doctor. I said, Doc, what do I do? He said, I want you to run five miles a day. I called him a week later. I said, Doc, I'm 35 miles from home. Calumet <laughs> <laughs> Park's fun, though. Uh, it's fun. It's fun to ride over there. It's really quiet. You're on the lakefront, all that good stuff. It's, it's Shout out to the southeast side, man. One day in Austin, I was crossing the street downtown, and far in the distance was this biker zipping through. But they were, like, super, super fast, and it was uphill. And I thought that I could make it with no problem because it was a relatively small street. So I did, but then I got this. That green light is green for me, not you. And I go, who do you think you are, Lance Armstrong? And he goes, that's me. It was Lance Armstrong. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. I, I used to get passed by him every now and then, like, on the trail. Seriously? I was she- like, you're not Lance Armstrong. He's like, I am. I was like, oh, that is his voice. That's that I'm is sure a he story. doesn't even that's, remember that. That's a but... great story. <laughs> I was like, who do you think you are, Lance Armstrong? <laughs> Narrator. It was. That that's hilarious. That's phenomenal. And, and like, I got passed by him another time, like, just on the trail, and he was running, and he was stupid fast. Well, because. Well, I was also yeah. ridiculously slow. Well, he was cheating, so. Yes, but <laughs> in that moment, it really didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you are Lance Armstrong. I, yes, I, and I, I when I heard so. his, I heard his voice, and all you see is, like, dumbfounded Layla, still in the middle of the street, kind of, looking uphill, like, oh, man. That was Lance Armstrong. Why are you driving like Mario Andretti? I am Mario Andretti. I mean, I seriously was like, you're not Lance Armstrong. I am. I am Lance and Armstrong. And I was like, oh, yeah. And Stretch Armstrong. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that, that was him. Cool. When we come back, you have and to. He's right. The we light was we need a whole him. segment of Layla stories, by the way. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Yeah, if you all of them in that silly. one this long. Yeah, we've known you forever. And you've never told us that story. It's ridiculous. Come on. When I got, we come I back. Got, uh, I got. Yeah, well, you have stories. So we're going to do a whole segment no, of it at some point. I was going to say I got tacked down to a lot in Austin and told things that were interesting weren't. And so I just kind of buried them all. I don't know. Boog Shambi is going to join us. We're going to talk college buckets with him because he called one of the biggest games of the season a couple nights ago. And a little bit of Cubs baseball. It's next here on The Score. And that'll do it. Jamal Shedd leading all scores with 26. He was brilliant in the second half. Houston has won 20 straight here at Martina Center. And they won it here tonight. 73-65. That's a familiar voice on the college basketball call. It's that of John Boogshambi, play-by-play man for Marquee Sports Network and for ESPN, who joins us now in the score hotline that is presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Download the Circa Sports app today. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670. The score of the Bernstein and Holmes show with Layla Rahimi in today. How are you, Boog? Ladies and gentlemen, how are we? We are doing really well, man. I, I enjoyed your call of, of that rock fight that you were calling. Oh, my gosh. That <laughs> game was – that was kind of – yeah. I, I probably couldn't say on the air what I thought. It just didn't have a lot of flow. But it was, you know, two good teams, and it was super physical. And holy cow, was there a foul about every three seconds. That Houston team reminds me of like a late 80s, early 90s NBA team because of yeah. how physical they are and how good they are on defense. 
Absolutely. We're, you know, just hands all over people making the officials have to make a decision. Do I call this? Do I not call this um, on every play? And then Iowa State has this basically a similar vibe. I mean, T.J. Otzelberger talked about, yeah, that they're trying to basically with drivers, they want their defenders to get into collisions. I mean, that's overtly what he talks about in terms of the instructions. So, yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's super physical, and it's, yeah, it can be hard to watch for sure. It's also a great way to get your players hurt. You know, maybe. Yeah, that's, no, it's a good point. And it's the kind of thing in the NBA where you say that, the player's like, yeah, we're not going to be doing any of that, coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's super physical. I think it's a good point in terms of, in terms of the health. Um, you know, look, they're, you know, two of the top six teams in a country. I think, you know, they can be at times both teams limited offensively, but, I, you know, Houston's pretty darn good. The only, you know, real hole that I've seen was they went into Allen Fieldhouse and Kansas, I mean, carved them up in the first half, shot 70%, and they were down 15, and they were just kind of done. They were just never really in that game. But, I mean, a lot of teams can say that when they go into Allen. I mean, I do think that uh, being physical when Kelvin Sampson was a defensive coach in the NBA and then even now, yeah. that that's consistent for him. That's for sure. Yep. Uga has yep. something on my mind. I need you to answer my question. Let's go. <sighs> Who's the better conference? Deep breath, deep breath. Let's go. Is it the Big East or is it the Big 12? I mean, honestly, I just I think that the the extended – run that the big 12 has had you have to give the big 12 the benefit of the doubt it's just year in and year out there's nine or ten teams that are either in the tournament or tournament worthy and when you go back over the last you know five you're talking about two national champs a national finalist um and it's multiple teams right so you know they just added houston from the american and kansas and baylor have national titles under their belts i just i would just but look, I grew up on the Big East, but I, I would I would defer to uh, to the Big 12. It's just so hard to get a win on the road in the Big 12 right now. I, that's how I feel. But additionally, you know what it's going to come down to in March. It isn't just about about the actual ranking or the actual strength of schedule or even the actual Ken Palm. It's coming down to which conference the selection committee is going to favor and how you figure that out in the seedings. And yeah. to me, that's where this might come into play. Yeah, so I don't. I think that the the one difference with the Big Twelve this year is the last couple of years, they've had multiple teams worthy of one seeds, and this year, I think Houston's the only team that's really legitimately worthy of that. Um, so I think that the, the the top end might be a little lighter than than normal. And by the way, I also love when you talk nerd to me with Ken Palm because I'm a big Ken. Ken Palm guy. So, as a North Texas um, person, I have to advocate for te- Ken Palm because you've been <laughs> snubbed before. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Um, Love you, Boog. Yeah. So I look. I I I I would say right now that um, I mean the Big Twelve is probably not quite as powerful as it's been in the past, but it's still really good. Boog, Dan Layla and I have been having kind of a, a bigger conversation about college basketball, where yep. we're in a strange place where. It seems like the juice in in college basketball is on the women's side now versus the men. Like, the stars are in the women's game. As someone that's around this all the time, 
have people even talked about this? Like, obviously, when the tournament comes up, we're going to be excited about it. We're going to fill out our brackets. But it seemed like during the regular season, it's been the women that have gotten and garnered more attention. Well, look, I mean, you're, you know, let's just start with Caitlin Clark is, you know, one of the the greatest that we've ever seen. So she's, I mean, I would say that that's at least a bit of an outlier. I would also tell you that, you know, it's funny. I mean, working for ESPN on the one hand, you know, they've contributed so much to the popularity of college basketball, but you'd also have to concede they've contributed to watering down college basketball because ultimately every game is on television now. And so there is no must watch, you know, the champions classic at the beginning of the year. I mean, when I was growing up a chance to watch Kansas against Kentucky and Duke against Michigan state, I mean, I'm running to my TV, but you just feel at this point, like I'm going to get a chance to see the elite teams play multiple times. And I think that that's one of the things with the men's game is just, just you, you see quality matchups. And if you don't see it this time, you'll see it another time because so many games are on television. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's, there's positives to it, but on the, the you know, the other side, the, the specialness, it's the, th- you know, look, it's the thing that, you know, football will always have going for it in that it's once a week. And so, you know, in our world of short attention span theater, which we've moved closer and closer and closer towards, um, football's perfect, but with basketball playing, you know, two games a week or something along those lines, um, there's just so many matchups to digest and they're all available to you. I think that that's the, the thing um, that kind of, that kind of waters it down. But look, the men's game has no one that is the star caliber of Caitlin Clark. No one. But something that I realized about myself this time of year, post Super Bowl, when I get into, you know, watching, finally coming around to watching a little more college basketball. And, and I don't know if this is old age or just my tastes have changed or it's a product of player movement and lack of player continuity, that the attention paid to the coaches has just, it's a constant close-up of somebody screaming. And I just... Which sport are you talking about? Yeah, (laughs) specifically men's college basketball. And it's just... You think that it's different than in men's college football? Well, I guess the way I, the way it's shown... It's up close, and maybe maybe I'm just – it's my sensitivity, and I could just be projecting this, but it's like, stop. Stop screaming all the time, and let the, let the refs call you. the Look, game, I, you know? I, I'm Okay, so I agree, but I would say I experienced it exactly the same way. Like, I experienced it the exact same way watching Dabo Swinney or Nick Saban and countless coaches on and on, so – I don't think that they're shown probably quite as much, um, but I, yeah, I think I think you're right, and I'm with you. I mean, in terms of I, I, I mean, it, I would say I, I don't. It's one of the things I don't like seeing is I think that there's a you know at times it's like there's kind of a, I don't know whether at times there can be kind of a bullyish nature to Hell some yeah. of the coaches and the Very screaming, and so. it's just sort of like, I mean, look, I've said this before. I, you know, when you see it at the college game, the ability. And the way they scream at the players at times, and I do think that that sometimes what happens is is coaches lose their temper, and then in hindsight try to play it off as 
you know, it's the guise of I was trying to motivate him when ultimately, no, you were just losing your temper. Um, yeah, it gets – I mean, I, that does not appeal to me. And I would also tell you I think that that works less and less. So, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, in, in, in today's world, you're not – like guys are not down to go somewhere and go get screamed at for the most part. I will say it was really effective that trying the referees and, and pushing the envelope and bullying in the women's final four. Mm-hmm. Kim Mulkey would test and test and test and yeah. see what she could get away with, get farther and farther out onto the court. You would see what was going on there, and there was a purpose yeah. to it. Yeah. it's a, No, it's, it's, it's a good point. I mean, look, it, it, you know, the, I mean, it's – Look, in the NBA, it's the same thing where it's just like they're just complaining on every call, every play. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of complaining. There's no, there's no question. Boogie, if I could ask you a philosophical question, I know that you usually do I like the – I love philosophical questions. Great, great. I'm I, here for it. I know that you do a lot of this stuff when you're on with, with Parkins and Spiegel, but I was just curious on how you've seen the job – your job in a baseball booth change – from when you started to where you are now, because it, it, when I listen to you, I feel like I'm listening. I'm, I'm clearly getting the game. Like I'm, you're not missing plays, but I do feel like it's more of a conversation now. Maybe even more of like a podcasty feel to it. While there happens to be a baseball game, and I'm just wondering, have have is that something that you're doing that other play by play guys are doing, or is that what? what networks are kind of asking for how have you seen it morph um i can't speak for other guys and i can't tell you that whatever i'm delivering on the air is sort of my choice um so i don't it's not someone asking me to do it a certain way i would tell you that when i'm doing the game on television that there is a part of me that's always been connected you know, to enjoying the analytics that likes to sort of delve in as being like, you know, a quarter of an analyst. So there's part of it. I'm trying to find interesting stuff. I would also say that for me, it's, um, you know, it's, it's in part of where it, it, it slowly shifted was, you know, that six or seven year stretch that led to the implementation of the pitch clock Mm. where the ball is not in play it's taking forever between pitches. Like, it, you know, I, I would say we had this, you know, five, six-year stretch where it was taking too long for nothing to happen. Um, and just being a, a play caller, like you've got to deliver something else. Um, and again, I think, you know, it, it's you're, – you're looking at your, your – if you're looking at it in – broad perspective you know game 76 i think we all think that everybody's watching every pitch of every game and they're not like they're just they're not like they're not watching innings one through nine um so you're trying to make an impact with telling them a story about a guy making a point about something the cubs are doing well something the cubs have improved on so i would say that it's shifted and then you know, I would say that it it probably, if you were like last year, it probably shifts back more towards just more play calling. But I do think that doing it locally, 
you're trying to connect with your partner and then ultimately connect with the audience. You want them to feel like, you know, they're, we're all sort of along for the ride. Um, and I just, I just think that, you know, the, where this sport is, I think that finding interesting stuff to deliver is important. Um, because I, I don't think as opposed to 40 years ago, just sitting there doing, here's the two one, um, you know, for game, you know, one Oh three. Um, I just, I don't know that that is, is enough. I have another question. You're allowed. Yes. I'm, I'm in. Okay. I think you, you probably know where I'm going here. What, what do I you don't. think of the Cody Bellinger situation? <laughs> I mean, like there's nothing about it that surprises me. I um I do think that the one thing that's curious is like the four guys with Boris, um, you know, getting down the stretch and seeing, you know, what ends up happening. I mean, I have a hard time imagining that at this point I would think he's gonna end up doing some type of short deal, like something like what Correa did a couple of years ago with the twins. Um so I I mean, I don't think it would be – what's hard is, like, I get it from a fan standpoint. It's not your money. But if you go and give him five years, $200 million, you know, whatever you, you, you want to put it at, um, you know, he's probably going to increase your win total by two or three. And what's the impact down the line when – in two or three years you're saying, well, why can't we spend more money? And it's because you may have been, you may have given out a contract that wasn't so responsible. So I, I get where it is. I mean, I think, look, the way it's played out tells you that Jed seems to be playing it quite well because you haven't heard of other offers that he's gotten. So I think you just got to wait. And my thought is the longer this thing plays out, I would say that the better the chance is that he ends up with the Cubs, but I wouldn't just give him the money to give him the money because you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're, it's going to impact future spending and future ability to add guys when they need to add guys. Collusion's impossible to prove, which is why I always use the phrase soft collusion that comes out of the cross pollination of these front offices. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're all using the same, in data and a lot of the same yes. objective analytics to make their Correct. valuations. And you yes. don't have these guys with a tumbler full of bourbon and their big florid faces at two in the no, morning, right. you know, closing the hotel bar. All right, let's do a deal. No. You know, 100%. So I, 100%. I, I get it. They're all saying the same things. Yes. They all, they, they all value guys in a very similar manner. And so that, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to put it soft collusion. I don't, you know, but I, I do, I do think that they, they all very much have gotten, um, yeah, they've just gotten smarter, sharper. They just give out, you know, better, you know, smarter, smarter deals. And I, you know, that's, that's the way that it's gone, you know, basically starting, you know, with the money ball A's into Theo and Jed with the Red Sox and so on and so forth. So, Boog, you're a Jordan's guy, right? I am. Is that wish fulfillment or is it style? 
um, what it, what I give me what what is being implied in wish fulfillment? So like you know when when I was younger, I couldn't buy all of the games that I wanted for my original NES. So when Nintendo offered a few years ago the the miniature NES, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna spend sixty dollars for it because now I'm an adult and I've got money. So I'm just wondering, right. like, was back in the day where you like, man, I really want those Jordans, but my parents aren't gonna buy them for me. I can't afford no. them, and now you got cash like that, and now you can buy all the Jordans that you want. <laughs> is, it, is this why I do no. what I do with the hookers? Yes, no. that's exactly <laughs> why. <laughs> okay, just well, leading me down, leading me down the rabbit hole. Thanks the joke is, he doesn't buy anything ever, ever. Dan. Dan doesn't ever buy anything. See, I'm trying to have a nice what conversation I, with this man. Sorry. You got to make it. I'm sorry. I know. He can joke just... because he doesn't actually make purchases. Well, period. Well, well, well Boog, while we got you, let me tell you a story about my partner, Dan Bernstein. Um, so, so this guy, I've been telling him because he's been walking around. We call him Trench Foot Dan because he doesn't have a solid pair of shoes. Okay? So then I said to him, because I occasionally run and I like comfortable shoes, so I wear Brooks's for the most part. Usually when it's style, I wear Air Maxes, but for, for comfort, I wear Brooks's. I tell him that he should look into Brooks's or Hoka shoes. And also because my knees are falling apart and have all kinds of orthopedics. This clown goes to Savannah and has a conversation with a random white dude in an elevator <laughs> who tells him that he should start wearing Hoka's. That's and not, he okay. immediately comes back to the studio going, have you heard of Hoka's? They're really good shoes. Some random white told me that they're good. And now I'm going to wear them. Not an objective retelling of the story. <laughs> it's exactly what happened. That is actually true. All of those things <laughs> happened. It's 100% true. All, all, all of those were elements to the story. Um, I don't feel like I have anything to add to that. <laughs> I just wanted to know who you were dealing with. But to go back to the Jordans thing, so is, is it style or wish no, fulfillment? It's, it's style. It's not wish fulfillment. And it, and I would say it's, it's, it's multiple things. One, I have a really big foot. I have a size 15 foot. So I'm like a shade over six feet tall and going to hit my growth spurt and probably still play in the NBA at some point. Good. But while we're waiting, I'm 6'1", you know, media guide height is 6'1". And um, I have a size 15 foot, so I can't get, I can't just look and say, I want that sneaker. It's like a little bit of a scavenger hunt. So there's that aspect. I like sneakers. And then I would say, because the scavenger hunt component is fun, and then it probably blossomed a little bit in COVID, and now it's just become a thing. So, although I will say, somebody said to me in November, I bet you, you can't go six months without buying any sneakers, and I haven't bought any since November. Ooh. Do you have a Holy Grail pair? I think uh, probably my Travis Scott reverse mochas. I so just, they're Jordans. I just, yeah, that's that's impressive. Boog, we appreciate um, you thoroughly yeah. for dealing with our ridiculousness. Absolutely. And, and I'm happy therapy. to do it anytime. Oh, yeah, well, thank, thank you for that. It. Thank you for the sports anytime. therapy as well. We will talk to you soon then. We'll see you either in Arizona or when you make it back to Chicago. All right, you guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Boog. That's John Boog Shambi of Marquee Network, the Chicago Cubs, and ESPN. The Bears have just sent out a press release finalizing their coaching staff. They have made it official, including one historic hire. Bears. Jennifer King.
But also that so now it's official. Like we didn't know Shane Waldron was the offensive coordinator until they, like hey, today. Man, they got to sign everything before because then they can talk, right? That's usually yeah. the making it official is the perhaps you'll have a press conference and whatnot. If I were a professional sports predictor, I would predict that perhaps there would be a press conference at some point in the near term. It's Layla Rahimi's sports forecast. That's right. The nose knows. <laughs> it's kind of like your other forecasts. There's some truth in it. Well, we can talk a little bit about this this historic hire. I, I think that's pretty cool, and I hope that it means that things are changing. And I'll explain what I mean after a quick timeout. That's next here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. On Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. That went some places, did it not? The interview with Boog I'm so glad that, look, there's, just take you behind the curtain a little bit. Sometimes when it comes to a radio station, and this station in particular, it's like your guys and their guys, and I feel like Boog is an afternoon show guy, so I'm like a little hesitant about putting him on because he, you know, he's on there frequently, he's on with those guys frequently, but... I wanted to literally talk college basketball with him, and we got the chance to, and it was great, great stuff. But I know that he's a crazy shoe guy, and I've I went and bought a pair of Giannis's for the Quarter Dreams event. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I got and and strangely enough, they're red and white. Can you get me a pair of Thanassuses? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure I can. I think they're I'm my sure old. I can get you a pair of the Nassus. I think they're my old, like, that's club a, worn out shoes from 2013 with bad platforms and heels worn down to the spike. So I'm, I'm all set Actually, now. Actually, that's, that's what the T on the new gold high tops is. <laughs> the Nassus. Dan hates get hates something as much as Dan hates the Nassus. I mean, everyone hates the Nassus. No, he's though. nice. Or he's as much so as Anthony bad. Rendon hates baseball. No, I don't hate him. He seems like a, a, a lovely young man. He's and he just, has a great story, just like Giannis does. He's a great bleak. <laughs> he's just terrible he's, at basketball. He's not, he, he's not an NBA player, no. yet he sits on an NBA bench. Correct. And That's has, what the pro, – it, it's nepotism. It's, it's more it's, than sitting on an NBA. He's, he's on a team. He's under contract. Matt yes. McClung won the slam dunk contest for the second year in a row and shuffles between the G League and the NBA. And that should he, be he, the Nassis' life. But that's my point. That should yeah. be his life. So, you know, I, I I find Boog to be really interesting. And because of his background as a talk show host, I know that he's willing to play uh-huh. occasionally. So, you know, we played a little bit. And I'm glad that we had him on because I, I hope that he enjoyed the visit, even as weird as it got. Boog is, in, he's like an onion. He has layers. He's well, into a lot of different things. It's also, when he's on with the afternoon show, it's half a bit. It really reminds me, if you if you remember Charles Grodin with Letterman. Yes. It's, that's the it's, bit. It's Matt, Matt Damon um, with Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. But, but, but the Grodin-Letterman stuff, where, where Grodin, who is a, he was a brilliant, brilliant guy. Way too smart to be doing what he did for a long time. Hmm, sounds like somebody and talking right now. Stop. And he would he'd be cranky and difficult, but it was so exquisitely done where Letterman knew how to kind of dance around this level of crankiness. You got so excited for it. And it wasn't, I don't know why, just once you developed a taste for it, 
it was it was that that perfect acquired comedy taste that a lot of people are like I don't get it I don't get it this is stupid well I you don't just get it. you don't want to step on anyone's bits and you don't want to right. be like taking your guy away but right. I'm glad that we got Boog on he was a lot of fun it well it's kind of kinda like listeners like you listen to multiple shows on the score yeah the crossover is pretty nice um, I also got. Are we actually going to get to play in this thing? Is that like, can we take shots and stuff? I think you are. Oh. And I think Layla can if she wants. Uh, we were offered uh, studs and I. We're going to be there, but we're we're gonna, gonna I'm be, not playing. I got compression shorts and everything. What's yeah, that? we're just going to be I'm on the sideline. Did, did you also love the level of compression garments that the Western Conference All-Star pick they had? Were wearing, they were wearing a lot. They had so many. They were wearing a lot. You, you know what was weird, though, studs? I mean, you, and you know, because you know, we're teammates. I walked past all of the baseball softball stuff and i was like don't like i was like don't oh, were you gonna get Doing yourself it? like compression sleeves no no and- i i love the technology that's gone into baseball cleats and like now because so many people are playing on turf like the different turf shoes and and they they had them all out there and i was like oh my god where was this i went to dick's yeah over on canal yep in there and i'm like man i could i could load up on some stuff that i've always wanted and then i'm like you're not playing anymore can i tell oh, you oh you're done you're not playing i'm retired and and you want to be a golfer i did go buy the golf stuff i'm actually thinking about honestly i want to try and find out if there's a driving range near me that's open today cuz i got that i got that new tailor made and i'm, I'm trying saying, to but, test it out but if you're an equipment mark if you're a technology and equipment mark, you are doomed. I'm trying not to be. Is this where be... I don't tell you how many pairs of Nike jogging shorts I have? Yeah, yeah, but compare that to your oh, I know. your I don't think golf equipment range and range finder. Fi- oh I don't think I, I don't think so I'm going to get finders. into it that way. <laughs> so I mean, with <laughs> with baseball and softball, like the relationship has been 40 years, 45 years. I'm just saying. For me. So it's it was it was kind of I was a little sad, studs. Like I was walking through, and I was like, huh, I could finally get those cleats that I've always wanted. I'm sorry, spikes. Oh, I want to make sure that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't get mad. I also would like to make this gear announcement. Yeah? You got some Giannis's, too? Or did you get the, the Nassus's? <laughs> the Greek Greek. <laughs> Any shoes I have on are the Nassus's. <laughs> Any shoes. Uh, I think I think I got to get a pair of the black and white dunks. I know I haven't. I've held off because everybody else has them, and I don't want to do what everybody else does all the time. Got to get it. But I just I can't take it anymore. And I there's this one pair of shoes that's haunted me: the off-white Air Maxes that I saw at Nice Kicks in Austin. And guess where I may or may not be going later? To Nice Kicks in Austin. It is happening. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, this was our ostensible Bears uh, coaching staff Sorry. segment. We'll do. I'll it's do now a bigger. Gone. I'll you know do what? No. On it tomorrow. You know how it's not gone. We talk about Jennifer King a lot, and we're going to talk about how the Bears are hiring good people and they're making opportunities for a lot of people, and this is a good thing. And you know how we keep it going by just acknowledging the presence all the time, too. This Sunday is the Chris Chelios Jersey Retirement Game. You can tune in to Mully and Haw tomorrow for your last chance to win a pair of tickets to that game when the number seven goes to the rafters. The Blackhawks host the Red Wings this Sunday at United Center, courtesy of Bud Light. Easy to drink, easy to enjoy. What's next? I don't know. Oh, you told me. I know. I submitted something in the DMs at about midnight last night, and it gets weird. Weird baseball and fun baseball is next. 
Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. All right, what do we got here? Oh, it's me. It's me. I'm up. Okay, uh, this came across the internet yesterday. Behold, Jesse Chavez telling you every team he played for in order. Enjoy. Hey, Jesse, for a dollar, can you list all the MLB teams you've been on in order? Ooh, let's see. Texas, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Atlanta, Kansas City, Toronto, Oakland, Toronto, the Dodgers, Angels, Rangers, Cubs, Rangers, Braves, oh, Angels, Braves, Cubs, Braves, Angels, Braves, <laughs> Braves, White Sox. 21. He's becoming Edwin Jackson. He's Mike beyond, he's beyond Edwin Jackson. We'll talk he's, with Parkinson Spiegel next on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 